Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great to have you with us on uh, the podcast, as well as those of you joining us live on our YouTube channel. Uh, Got a big show today. Lots to get to. The Avalanche are on their way to the Stanley Cup final. And another head coach finds himself out of work yesterday. Bruce Cassidy, the Boston Bruins, given the pink slip. Another interesting name on the head coaching market. Um, We've got a lot to get to today. Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun is going to jump on with us first off. We'll, you know, get some NHL talk in there, get Scott's thoughts on the upcoming bomber season, as well as about Bruce Cassidy. And of course, Kyle Connor's Lady Bing Trophy, which was announced uh, yesterday night. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press has been following Aaron Cockrell, was just in Germany last week. Now he's back in Southern Ontario as Manitoba's Aaron Cockrell makes his PGA Tour debut at the RBC Canadian Open this weekend. We'll hit on that as well as some of the other pertinent hockey stories around the Winnipeg Jets and the National Hockey League with Mike. We will also be teeing up CFL season, which begins on Thursday with John Hodge of Three Down Nation and a very special guest a little later on in the program, the Lady Bing Trophy winner himself, KFC Kyle freaking Connor of the Winnipeg Jets. 47 goals and only four penalty minutes will be our guest live a little bit later on on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Hey, just before we bring in Michael Remus, I do want to thank all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Vita Health Fresh Market, F Apparel, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, Cool Bet Canada, and Assiniboia Downs. Heading out to the track tonight for the first time this year. Cannot wait to see the ponies live out at ASD. Let's get after it. Michael Remus joins me now. Remo, another beautiful day outside right now. And uh, we've got one of the two finalists set for the Stanley Cup final. And, of course, a big award for the Winnipeg Jets. Lots to chop up today on WST. What's up? Yeah, hey, I'm fired up here. As you said, beautiful day outside. We finally have put the Oilers out of their misery. They're done. Um, Congratulations to the Avalanche. And, yeah, we had our uh, major award winner for the Jets, Kyle Connor winning the Lady Bing. And he's going to join us. We had Hellebuck, the Vesna a couple years ago, Connor, the Lady Bing. Exciting stuff. And, uh, oh, yeah, coach firing yesterday. Everyone's trying to figure out Bruce Cassidy. A lot of uh, WTFs. I saw on Twitter, so we do have some Count stuff. Count me in on that. Count yeah. me in on that. Just quickly on Kyle Connor. Um, I mean, what a season that he had. 47 goals and incredibly just four penalty minutes. Uh, a penalty on Matt Barzell and uh, got the stick in on, on uh, Connor McDavid. And that was it. Uh, and, of course, he played so much. I mean, led the Winnipeg Jets forwards in ice time. Uh, throughout the year and joins Remo. This is a pretty imp- impressive list uh, because often, you know, the Lady Bing Trophy is one of those awards that, you know, people sort of overlook. But if I told you that you were on a list with Pavel Datsuk, who won it four times, Marty St. Louis won it three times, Ryan O'Reilly, Andre Kopitar, Johnny Gaudreau, Alexander Barkov, Nathan McKinnon, Jacob Slavin, that is pretty damn good company that Kyle Connor finds himself in. 
Oh, yeah, this is awesome. And that's the one thing I was just at the Hockey Hall of Fame a couple months ago. And I did get a chance to go look at the trophies. And it is pretty cool, you know, seeing the names. And, yeah, having a Winnipeg Jet on this trophy, there's Joe Sackick. We saw him, Wayne Gretzky, Ron Francis, Alex McGillney, Brad Richards. Some big Hall of Fame names here. Paul Correa, multiple-time winner. Pierre Turgeon, Brett Hall. I mean, Mike Bossy, some Yari Curry. Big, big names. So very cool to see Kyle Connor on the list. Most gentlemanly player. And, um, you know, thanks for Kyle for coming on later and hopping on with us. Well, and speaking of thanks, going to give a quick thanks to uh, Jim Slodiak, our newest supporter and member of the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat here on YouTube. Jim, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate the support of you and everybody else who signed up to be a member. Two bucks a month helps us run the channel. And you see all our members with the green text and the microphone icon in the YouTube chat. Jim, welcome aboard. Thanks so much. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk more about the Lady Bing. We'll chop it up with Scott, uh, Mike McIntyre as well, discuss Kyle Connor's season, and the man himself, the Lady Bing Trophy winner, will join us on the program a little bit later on today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, but let's get to Bruce Cassidy before we get to the, the game last night, Remo. It was, I don't know, about 6 o'clock or so. I'm not sure who uh, actually broke it. The first person I saw tweeting about it was Frank Saravalli, who said that the Boston Bruins have fired head coach Bruce Cassidy. And for a team that has been a consistent contender, really, during the entire time he's been the head coach, I'll say this, it was one of the more shocking firings we've seen in recent NHL history, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I think because it was so far after the end of the season as well, you're kind of not expecting that. Usually these firings happen like day after the season. Um, also surprising, as you mentioned, because of the success the Bruins have had. They have seemed to be a perennial playoff team, went to the cup final against St. Louis a couple years ago with Cassidy as the head coach. Was not a guy who I thought would be available, but from what I've been reading from Pluto Shinzawa and The Athletic, seems like... He's a bit of a hard ass, Huss, and the team was kind of sick of him, and they were looking for a change of a message. Um, that's what I learned from that. I don't know if that's, you know, if that is true or not. But if you talk to Bruins fans, they want uh, Don Sweeney and Cam Neely. Oh, they yeah. don't like the way the team is being built. You know, we're having Kyle Connor on. That was a player the Bruins passed on not one, not two, but three times uh, in his draft year. And, um, you know, you look at Bergeron, who's retiring, the Bruins management. They're not retiring. He's a free agent. And maybe the Bruins are looking to turn a page and bring in a, a coach. And, again, I was reading Canada. It seems like they want to go in a younger direction, not a coach like Barry Trotz or John Torella, who've been around the league a couple times now. So I'm kind of puzzled with what, what the Bruins are, are doing here. Well, and I guess we'll find out. Um, Don Sweeney did speak today, and uh, our buddy Hags, Joe Haggerty, has been uh, all over it. First of all, suggesting that former Providence Bruins and Kraken assistant Jay Leach could be a Cassidy replacement, and also mentions Providence's Nate Lehman, who is getting a lot of consideration for the Providence Bruins job when it was open after Leach left. A um, couple other things. Don Sweeney, GM, on what necessitated the coaching change the message, how it was being delivered, and sometimes how it was ultimately being received for players both young and old. Um, so, I mean, he basically says that this was on him. What's interesting here, and, you know, Cassidy seems like a pretty tough SOB. 
Don Sweeney on how Bruce Cassidy handled the news. Not well. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Joe Haggerty says, I can't say I blame him. I wouldn't have handled it very well either. As I've got to imagine he was running under the premise at this point he was going to return for next season. So, yeah, the timing of everything is quite interesting. And the fact that, I mean, a guy that has been very, very successful through his time behind the bench in Boston is now on the open market. Now, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, this is another great candidate for the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, I mean, sure. Oh, I mean, I will agree with you on that. Um, I will say that I think there's some unique connections to Barry Trotz that makes Winnipeg, I think, more in his consideration. I'm not sure whether that would be the case for Cassidy. But I'll say this, Remus, I think it would be just due diligence for every team right now that's looking for a head coach to probably pick up the horn and contact Cassidy's agent and uh, at least have that conversation. Because from the sounds of what we're hearing out of Boston, this caught him off guard. He's not very pleased about it and certainly feels like he's got a lot more to give on the on a bench of a National Hockey League team. Yeah, just going back to uh, Cam Neely and Don Sweeney, it seemed like they weren't a fan of his tactics for producing offense and approach to optimizing player performance and you know with a focus on um, younger players, and that's from Neely and Don Sweeney towards the end of the season. If you're looking for Bruce Cassie, I think he could be a, a coach who could put in some structure, who's solid defensively and um, has had a successful power play. So I agree. If you're a team and you've got a coach opening, I think he would be a guy you'd want to call. And, and I agree if you're the Jets, he doesn't have a last. Did he play for the Moose for a season in the 1990s IHL? Do we Do we know that? Uh, uh, no, no. However, yeah. Does he have he a did, connection we can lean he, well, on? Well, he yes, he would have coached against them with the Grand Rapids Griffins when oh. he was there. Probably would have, uh, you know, had some had some there time there. Um, of course, he had the he had the full year in Washington. Got fired the next year. Was an assistant. Then went to Kingston in the OHL. Then went to Providence for three years as an assistant. Yeah. Then was the head coach in Providence for for five years and then took over from Claude Julien. The, the numbers that he's put up, I mean, the bottom line is this is a results business, and it's about winning hockey games and doing well in the postseason. No, they didn't win a Stanley Cup. They did make it to the finals, though. Uh, but, man, like 17-18, 50 wins, 20 losses, and 12 in OT, 49 wins in 82 games the next year, 44 wins in the 70-game shortened season, 33, 16, and 7 in the 56-game schedule, and then another 51 wins this year in 82 games. I mean, he's been consistent. That team has been consistent, and that, I think, is why this just caught so many people off guard. All that being said, the Boston job, I think, will be attractive to many individuals on the market, and certainly the name Bruce Cassidy will be, uh, I think, an attractive name for many teams to inquire about, and it'll be really interesting to see where he ends up. I, you know, would the Jets be interested? I mean, I'd imagine they would certainly, you know, as I mentioned, reach out, maybe have that conversation. Uh, but I don't think it changes for a second that they are still entirely focused on trying to get Barry Trotz back to Manitoba and coaching the Winnipeg Jets next season. Yeah, as we said on Friday, Elliot's report, very, very interested in Barry Trotz. He seems to be the guy they are focusing in on and they have interviewed some other guys, like we mentioned yesterday, as per Elliot's report, uh, Scott Arneal uh, being one of them. So 
Uh, yet another name available, a lot of uh, pretty quality coaching candidates and some big name jobs. I mean, if you're a coach of Boston, huge sports city, original six team. I mean, Flyers as well, a historic franchise. So I'm curious how this is going to shake out. And we might have to wait, what, till the end of uh, the Stanley Cup finals that they like to uh, tell teams to wait on the announcements. But I'm sure if there's something done. I mean, remember last year, Frank just like tweeted out the whole expansion draft before yeah. <laughs> before it happens so they somehow know what's gonna happen so we'll we'll wait and see on all that uh we'll touch on this with billick and with mike mcintyre a little bit later on when we uh, discuss more on the jets off season and the coaching search right now uh but let's get to the ice last night remo the oilers are done swept twice in a year once by the winnipeg jets last season in the first round and now by the Colorado Avalanche. Um, all that being said, though, I think you know, Oilers players or the organization fans have to be pretty pleased by, you know, what they were able to accomplish, and that was getting to the conference finals, and of course, maybe most importantly, getting bragging rights for a long, long time after winning that Battle of Alberta, especially in the fashion that they did after getting humiliated in the first game and then rattling off four wins in a row. Um, that being said. To me, this series was, I think the Oilers had a chance to maybe, you know, extend it uh, earlier on. Uh, but there was a few big turning points, and particularly the McCarr goal that was so controversial early in the series that was ruled onside. And then the Avalanche scored on that power play afterwards. To me, the, the Edmonton never really, really came back from that. And maybe the biggest factor, I know there's a lot of people at Edmonton bitching about the refereeing. Look no further than the guy in net. Mike Smith just simply wasn't good enough. It was amazing they were able to beat Calgary, giving up at least one bad goal a game, um, and it haunted them again throughout this series. And with a 3-1 lead going into the third period, Mike Smith just could not make a save when they needed it. Gave up four in the third period, and then, of course, the winner in OT. And now the Avalanche have uh, probably about a week off to wait and chill and watch the Lightning and the Rangers beat the hell out of each other before the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I was watching that third period thinking, oh, man, they're going to do it. They're going to extend the series. Uh, you know, Leon Dreisaitl on one leg or injured her badly injured body. We'll wait and hear what his uh, damage report is. Um, you know, Connor McDavid carrying this team. I thought, you know, they had a chance with the way he was playing. But uh, I think Colorado's defense and depth uh, elite scoring, too much for Edmonton. I mean, pretty exciting series. Even if it was a sweep, you had that crazy game one and that third period last night as well. Six goals in the third period, Avalanche four, Edmonton two. And uh, yeah, Mike Smith, what, turning the puck over again, giving up a soft one, and then Colorado gets a power play late to tie it up. I thought that penalty was a questionable one. Uh, at the in the third period, Derek Ryan holding on ranting. It looked like two guys just battling to me, but Colorado was was too good. And I mean, we're talking all about Kale McCarr, what a historic season he is. And full credit to the Oilers. I can't believe they beat Edmonton. Um, Connor McDavid played out of his mind. Beat that's Calgary, him you mean? And, and yeah, sorry, I can't believe Edmonton beat Calgary. Did not think they would get here. So credit to them, but. I think it's disappointing that they looked at Mike Smith as the goalie at the trade deadline and did nothing to upgrade when there were goalies available. They didn't want to trade a first-round pick. And I guess at that point, if you don't really think that you're truly contending, although I don't know how you could think that when you've got Connor McDavid yeah. and Leon Dreisaitl on your squad, uh, but that was a price that Ken Holland didn't want to pay. 
Um, And this goes all the way back to last year. I mean, Darcy Kemper was available. Um, You know, the Avalanche ended up stepping up and paying the price of a first-round pick to get him. But surprisingly, it was Pavel Francois that came in and, you know, really sort of starred after uh, Kemper left it. But back to Smith for a minute, and you just nailed it, Reem. At 4-2 in the third period, like Mike Smith just cannot help himself. He's the author of his own demise. So many of the problems are self-inflicted. There was absolutely no need for Mike Smith to go take that puck and play it all the way in the corner and rip it up. And yeah, it hit the referee, uh, but Mike Smith shot it. And, you know, for an unnecessary play like that to result in a turnover that quickly went in the back of the net, you could just feel that that was the one the one mistake, the one door opening for the Avalanche was all they needed. And uh, the minute they hit that, they were to the races. They scored three quickies. And then, of course, to the Oilers' credit, they've tied it up late in the game with Zach Cassian on the ice, David and Dreisaitl, of all people. Uh, but it wasn't to be the OT winner, and the Oilers are done after. Uh, where credit is due, an incredible turnaround under Jay Woodcroft. This is a team that looked like it was bottoming out earlier this season. He made a huge impact. They won the first series, and then obviously the win over Calgary, which is what the fans will be remembering for a long time. But I think from a hockey fan's perspective that has no skin in the game, disappointing that this series is over so quickly because it sure was fun seeing some of the best players in the world mm-hmm. go head-to-head. Yeah, I think that's why this playoffs have been so great, and you keep hearing, like, is this the best playoffs ever? We're definitely seeing some of the greatest players having the greatest performances. Uh, that Nathan McKinnon goal um, that he scored in the third period was just awesome. So fast. You know, the puck just goes in his skates, puts it on a stick, streaks down the ice. Um, Connor McDavid uh, making magic, doing spin around. Leon Dreisaitl, Kale McCarr, and we'll be talking about him for the next two weeks as well. And look at Mike Smith's performance, Huss. His save percentage has declined when, as the playoffs went on. Somehow put together a 938 save percentage against the LA Kings. Um, you know, <laughs> he bounced, you know, had an ugly game one, but was able to bounce back. Uh, Calgary. Uh, Sabres well, I'll say went, this: the King, yeah. the Kings don't have anywhere near the sort of high-end skill that even the Flames do on that top line, yeah. and certainly the Avalanche. And I think the Kings just have to work harder for their choices and the chances that they get, mm-hmm. just because of the players that they have aren't quite as deadly as maybe a team yeah. like Calgary or Colorado. Yeah. And I think the numbers sort of you know dictate that. Yeah, nine oh seven save percentage against Calgary. Still manage. I don't know how they won that series, Edmonton. Like this was, I picked Calgary to go to the to win. I was very wrong. But uh, and then against Colorado, eight seven two save percentage, and that's just um, that's just not going to get it done. So, uh, but credit to them for getting as far as they did. Uh, you know, Connor McDavid was out of this world in that second round, or yes, yeah, second round against Calgary. But Colorado, they're they're a juggernaut, and you know, we'll see if Nazem Kadri comes back for you know for the final. He tweeted out or po- posted on Instagram on a comment um, on a report that, you know, we'll see if he's out for the playoffs. So I'd like to see him see him come back, oh. but they're so they're so deep. Uh, they are. Um, yeah. And obviously they were able to get that being said, if they're going to go up and kind of unseat the champs, especially if Braden Point is back in time and that assumes that the Tampa Bay Lightning come back and win this. The one thing I'll say on either side of things is that the Avalanche are going to be going up against a level of goaltending that they have not seen at any point in the playoffs, whether it's Vasilevsky or whether it's Igor Shosturkin. 
Yeah, that that's fair. Um, you know, round one, what they were playing the backup of Nashville. Uh, round two, you know, Bennington, who was playing awesome, and then Huso, and uh, and what round three, yeah, Mike Smith. So I do see a lot of St. Louis Blues fans taking like a victory lap on uh, on social media, like, oh man, we got two games. Oh, we're we're so close. But I also <laughs> did see last night, Huss, after the game. Uh, I saw you tweeting about this. What Sportsnet putting out a graphic oh dumping on the Oilers and uh, the score also both the score yeah. and and uh, and Sportsnet put out I mean just really sort of like cheap shot tweets you know kind of celebrating the demise of the Oilers now listen the score is I mean it's essentially turned into an app with a new betting platform but they don't really have personalities. It's kind of more of an internet thing. Oh, and they deleted listen, it, the score. I it, want it, it wasn't tried a, to bring it, wasn't it up. A, it wasn't a great look. Oh, and lo and behold, Sportsnet tweet, deleted their tweet as well last night. Um, I basically just put out, oh, I see the interns got the keys on Sportsnet uh, tonight. Is this some edgy blog or the national and local Oilers TV rights holders? <clears throat> like, can you imagine... The Jets being bounced out of the playoffs and TSN that broadcasts all of the Winnipeg Jets games in the local market, um, basically with a, a cheap juvenile tweet at their demise. I mean, I, I was absolutely stunned. Um, but as I said, it was probably a couple 19-year-old Leaf fans that are interns for the summer uh, that got left to their own devices and thought that it was really cool or edgy uh, to do that. It pissed off a lot of people last night, I'm sure, in northern Alberta. And I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall or listening to the speakerphone when uh, whoever it was from the Oilers called their media partner, Roger Sportstead, and said, what the hell is with that? Yeah, I didn't really get the dunking uh, by the network on them. Oh, yeah, one thing we do need to touch on, the big drama after the avalanche win. Were they... Or were they not going to touch the Campbell Bowl? I am on Team Touch It. You got to celebrate the wins. Team Touch It. Team Touch It. Yes, <laughs> it's really yes. I was hoping. I'm like that sitting there. So... <laughs> I'm sitting there watching this trophy celebration. I'm like, the suspense of if they were going to touch the trophy or not was almost more suspenseful than the actual overtime where Lekkonen scored the winner. I was very invested. It was like a reality show will they or won't they um they could they consulted they did end up touching the trophy however they did not act happy to get it nathan mckinnon going with the serious face look it's really hard to get to the cup final colorado has been trying for a couple years they've had really good teams uh they've had some early exits celebrate the wins you see baseball baseball teams you know having champagne parties every time they win a series I'm, I don't know if they should go that far, although I would be here for it. But yeah, enjoy the trophy celebrate. I did enjoy them consulting with Joe Sackick. He said, go for it. And there is a picture out there of Joe Sackick uh, celebrating, holding the Campbell Bowl when his Colorado team made it to the cup final. So well done. Well done, Avalanche. Yeah, Remus, proud member of Team Touch It, uh, as disclosed today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, I, too, am, oh, I, I, too, am Team Touch It. Um, and listen, I thought it was funny. I mean, one of the guys at the DNVR, uh, a YouTube channel that covers the Avalanche, did a great breakdown 
kind of slowing it down, watching what the guys were saying to each other. And then the closer coming in, Joe Sackett going, yeah, damn right, go and touch it. And uh, they did it. And now they're going to try and touch uh, the real deal if they can get four more wins against the New York Rangers or the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, um, game goes tonight, game number four, back in Tampa between the uh, the Rangers and the Lightning. Uh, we'll get to all that coming up with Scott Billick. We will also get to another tough night for the Wave. Uh, a very, very tough night for the Wave. I tweeted on last night. I know Billick's going to be all over that. So we'll do that in just a second. Um, folks, if you're with us live on YouTube, do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up. We've got over 300 people in here. Uh, and make sure, if you haven't already, hit that red subscribe button. It certainly helps us grow the channel. And not, you'll get all our content in the feed. Obviously, it's completely free, but uh, yeah, hit that red subscribe button on YouTube and give us a little thumbs up as well uh, to help us spread the channel. Um, Scott Billick coming up, and we will have Kyle Connor on the program a little bit later on after Mike McIntyre joins us. So a little bit less than an hour or so, we'll expect Kyle Connor here on Winnipeg Sports Talk today. Hey, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market continue to provide the best prices in town on the greatest selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, not to mention delicious lunch options like Vitamarket salads, soups, sandwiches, and more, and amazingly healthy and lean barbecue options, including lean bison steaks or chicken. Uh, hey, and if you can't make it to the store, you can visit VitaHealth's brand new fully shoppable website to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. VitaHealth Fresh Market, seven Winnipeg locations now, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. And check them out online at myvita.ca. Uh, well, the Oilers are ready to hit the tea, hit the uh, tea sheets, or maybe better yet, hit the water. And when we're hitting the water in Manitoba, there is no better spot to do it than the world famous Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. Now, there is limited availability for the rest of this year as this will be Aiken's busiest season ever. We're going to be out there in August. Cannot wait to do it. And hopefully we'll have great pictures of some monsters being pulled out of the lake and then, of course, put back in. Uh, but if you would like to find out more information on what's available this year or plan an amazing family or corporate retreat next year, find out more online at AikensLake.com or hit up our pal Pitt Turan on Twitter at Aikens Lake. Uh, Wallace and Wallace are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. Um, if you need the property and security of a new fence or if winter's done a number on your old one, they've got you covered with vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace also has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. One of their experts will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop down to the showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. And uh, hey, a big shout out to our gang over at uh, F Apparel. Well, my dad's actually going to get suited up for uh, some new threads over with the gang at F later on this week. And I certainly will be doing it as well. Got some events later on in the summer and into next year where I uh, kind of need to pop need to step it up. If you know it, hey, F's custom-made suits start at just $400. And hey, if you're in a wedding party, talk to Andrew the gang about a great deal for all the fellas. 15% off when the entire wedding party gets their suits from F Apparel. They're at 190 Smith Street and online at fephapparel.com. All right, let's welcome in our the birthday boy, 
Scott Billick today. What's going on, dude? Uh, happy birthday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Feel a little older, a little more arthritis, all that sort of things. No, I'm doing good. Yeah, it's a good day on holidays, so can't complain. Nicely good. done. Well, hey, listen, uh, great to have you on the program, and thanks for taking the time. I guess let's start no off with Kyle Connor. He's going to join us a little yeah. later on. I mean, a very well-deserved award for the Jets scoring star. I mean, really, just an absolutely phenomenal season, and in some ways, it's sad that you know it was sort of wasted the way that it was with the team not making the playoffs. But as far as an individual goes, I mean, his continued growth into a real superstar in this league, 47 goals, and that ridiculous number of just four penalty minutes on the season. Uh, a very deserving award winner and uh, the second major award winner in Jets 2.0 history. Yeah, after uh, Connor Hellebuck won the Vesna a couple seasons ago. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think this was finally Kyle Connor's coming out season you know in terms of you know here i am i'm i'm a very good player i'm i'm an elite scorer in this league and you know hear me roar type thing right because you know this is i, I i've always been under the assumption that that not the assumption just the the opinion that that the Kyle Connor's kind of underrated in this league and and you know this year he becomes an all-star um this year he scores 47 goals i mean nearly hits the 50 mark and you know i, I think he would have if he didn't miss those those three games and and then you know he obviously wins the lady bing and and you know the lady bing you get your name everywhere i mean you see it i mean the all-star game is one thing but now you got a major piece of hardware and and you did it in a way that you know it, it's interesting to me that that kyle connor and he, and he said it last night when he spoke with the media he's like yeah you know, I, I like to use my positioning and my stick you know to to play defense and that sort of thing and, and i always find 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 that you know, the more that you use your stick to try and check players, the more likelihood that you're just going to get a stick in there and trip a guy or slash a guy or whatever it is. And Connor played 79 games this year, was I believe fourth or fifth in total minutes among forwards across the league, and and still uh, still managed to take just two penalties all season long. And one, you know, when you only have two, it's pretty easy to go look back at where they are. One of them was a, a, a little hooking call, I believe, on on Matt Barzell, and it wasn't. It was wishy washy. I mean, you you could have you could have not called that, and nobody would have batted an eye. And the other one was was on Connor McDavid, and it was you know it was a good hack. And I, uh, I was listening to Connor talk about them, and he's like, yeah, you know, that one is what it is. I'll, I'll take that one. But he thought the other one was a bit soft. But yeah, no, just a good season for for Kyle Connor and. You know, I think he was kind of robbed of those 40 goals back when in 2020, the 2019-20 season, when the season ended early and he was stuck on 38 there. Um, and it kind of delayed his, his uh, you know, his, his rise to, you know, NHL kind of stardom, uh, let's say, uh, you know, recognition across the league. And then now it's there. And, uh, you know, he's got big shoes to, well, not big shoes to fill. He's got a big, you know, he set the bar pretty high this year. And, you know, next year it's going to be, can this guy hit 50? I mean, where, where can he go from there? Um, but he continues to get better. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people rag on his defensive play. I thought his defensive play got better this season. Um, I know that the analytics might not show that, but you know, I, mean, I watched every game this season. I was at most of them. I thought his defensive play was better, and, and he, he was playing PK. He was one of the reasons why the PK got better over the year when they started to play him more there. Um, and, and one of the reasons why it became dangerous too, one of the reasons why the PK started to be kind of this, you know, uh, they had the chance to be, a, a you know, an offensive, uh, force at times and, and that sort of thing. So I, I like, I, I like that, that he's finally sort of getting that, that 
that recognition and and but he's doing it in a way that his game is getting better too and uh it'll be interesting to see i mean he's only 25 i believe um and he's just you know, I, where's the ceiling for kyle connor that's what i'm interested in listening to him talk about trying to be pavel datsuk and that sort of thing emulating his game after him you know not, you don't hear a lot of guys saying that they want to be pavel datsuk, even though pavel datsuk was an incredible player um but just the way that datsuk played the game you, you know when he said that last night when we were talking to him and he, you know you can talk to him about it today you know, it, it's interesting just to see kind of yeah, like you get it. You get that he's he's trying to play that very like finesse style game, and and, and he's been very good at it. And uh, yeah, so you know, like you said earlier, off the top there, yeah, well deserved. Well, and, and it's great company. And you mentioned, I mean, his idol growing up was uh, Datsuk, who won this award four times in a row. Marty yeah. Saint Louis won it three times, and then just in recent history, in the last ten years, Ryan O'Reilly, Kopitar, yeah. Gaudreau, Carlson, Barkov, McKinnon, Slavin. Uh, that's a pretty impressive company. And you, know, you mentioned it. Remus always says, you know, I don't think we can say he's underrated anymore. I think this officially, this season that he's had, the breakout yeah. 47 goals, the all-star, you know, the Lady Bing Award, people have paid attention to Kyle Connor, And uh, he's now getting some of the recognition that he deserves. And that's what happens when you score 47. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you know, that that's, yeah, that's exactly it. It's hard to, to say anything more about it. I've kind of beaten this drum in the paper for a long time, thinking that, you know, Kyle Connor deserves a little bit more recognition, and, and he's finally getting it. And it's good to see because, you know, here's a guy that's come up, the team drafted him, he comes out of college, he's played here, he signed long-term here. There was no fuss about signing long-term here. Otherwise, you know, he missed training camp the one year, but, you know, that happens all the time with a lot of guys. Um, you know, I, I, I see Kyle Connor, and he led a bit of that renaissance this spring when the Jets were – you know, having a tough time, and uh, he went out there and, and, and kind of said it, told it like it was, and he was even given an opportunity to roll that back. I remember Mike McIntyre, you have on here in, in a little bit, you know, basically put it on a tee for Kyle Connor to you know, walk back some of his comments, and he didn't. And, you know, Kyle Connor's turned into more than just a solid scoring, you know, winger in the center. He's turned into a, a leader in this team, um, and, it, you know, it, He's turned into a player that maybe graduated from the Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler days when they were putting up, you know, when Wheeler was putting up 91 point seasons um, and, and turned into a guy that, that, that meshed perfectly this season, I thought, with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, and so he's now gone on to kind of run his own line, uh, you know, so to speak. And, and like you said, just even it, looking at those names, it's not like the Lady Bing goes to, you know, guys that were drafted in the seventh round or, or whatever. Like this award is won and 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 I would say even coveted by a lot of players because you know it, it, it's impressive to do what these guys have done. Um, you know, and you named the, some of the players, the Barkovs, the McKinnons. I mean, you're not Bossy won this award three times. Mike Bossy, who you know Connor received from uh, his wife, Mike Bossy's wife and 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 daughter last night uh, when he when he was presented with the award. So. It, it, it this isn't just a, and I had somebody on Twitter, you know, kind of telling me, oh, you know, this word means nothing. It, it's it, 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 it's it's not an award. It doesn't make a player better. I'm, I I disagree. I, like I I think this award does make players better, and, and, and it rewards players for playing a clean game and also being you know very good on the ice in terms of their point production. And, well, I mean, yeah, these, so these no players are too it. good. I mean, you don't help your yeah. team when you're in the box. I mean, it goes exactly. without saying. And listen, I gave you some of the more recent. Uh, winners. Yeah, uh, I mean Joe Sackick, Wayne Gretzky, Ron Francis, Paul Correa, Brett Hull, Yari Curry, 
Mike Bossy. I mean, it really is a who's who of some of the exactly. great players over these generations. And listen, it's great, great company to keep. I want to get back to just what you mentioned, though, with the connection between Dubois and Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was important, obviously, to let Kyle Connor um, maybe spread his wings outside of the Shafley Wheeler pairing. We knew it was important for Pierre Luc Dubois to kind of find his groove and find someone. The big question right now is can the Winnipeg Jets sign, uh, sign Pierre Luc Dubois and what does that contract look like? Is Kyle Connor maybe the biggest Jets' biggest asset when it comes to trying to get in Pierre Luc Dubois' name on a long term deal, considering his contract situation? and the success that those players had playing together so much this season? Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about, you know, you know if I'm going to, if I'm Pierre Dubois, I'm going to sign a six-year deal here, a five-year deal, whatever. You know you're going to play with Kyle Connor for almost all those years. I think Connor has, I want to say, five years left or four years left on his deal um, coming into next season after that. So you know that, you know, potentially through your prime years uh, as both players, really, um, and Pierre Dubois, you know, certainly going through his mid, you know, getting into his late twenties, if he does sign a long-term deal here, um, is going to play with a guy that that he's going to get a lot of points with. Um, it, it's only going to, you know, it, it's good. It, it's a good way to make money on your next contract. Let's just say that, um, you know. If, so if you're looking for that, but it, you're going to turn into maybe one of the top lines. Uh, in the NHL in terms of point production, just ability to play against other teams, top lines, that sort of thing. That That's what this line, you know, if it stays together, is going to do. And, and it, it has room to improve on the right side as well. I mean, you have Connor playing left. You would have Pierre-Luc Dubois playing down the middle. And then the right side, I mean, this year it was, you know, throw anybody in there. And it seemed to work at times, right, whether it was Svechnikov or, you know, whoever it was uh, that, that played there. I mean, you could put Wheeler there, and it, w- it was working uh, as well. So it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do wonder. I mean, th- there's a lot of things that go into a, a long-term contract, and it's not just, you know, who I'm going to play with. It's, you know, how much are they going to pay me for the UFA years that they buy me, uh, they buy from me and all that kind of stuff. But if you're looking at on ice, I mean, you're probably not going to go to a team that's got a better winger um, alongside you, and you're going to put up a lot of points, and probably, you know, you look at Connor's assist this year, he had 46. Um, you're probably going to get a lot of goals in return. So, yeah, it, I, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's one of the biggest assets the Jets have, you know, that they can flaunt in front of Pierre Dubois. You know, here's the guy you're going to play, and, you know, the rest comes down to term and AAV, and, uh, yeah, we'll see how that kind of, you know, goes forward I'll, I'll be, uh, as we I'll, go. I'll be honest. I actually think... And you know, this isn't something we'll probably have time to get in, but I, I think Dubois and the example he set, especially earlier in the year with the way that he would go to the net. Yeah. I think that actually helped Kyle Connor turned into a more lethal goal scorer as well. I mean, I remember vividly early on in the season when they started playing together, maybe after about a half a dozen games and Dubois had had some goals where he was getting dirty. He was getting it in, you know, in and around the blue paint. And knowing that that was where he took the puck, Kyle Connor's team to get more aggressive. Now, listen, he used his speed. There were the two one ones. I mean, he scored in a number of those ways. But I think the difference that took him to a near 50 goal score was the fact that he got bloodthirsty around the net quite a bit and saw the example that Dubois was making and knew that the puck was going to be around there quite a bit. And I think that made him and that combination made him, um, you know, even more effective when it comes to lighting the red light. I totally agree. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois changed a lot of opinions on this team about how to play the game at times this season. And and a lot of it was just he, he led by example. 
in terms of, you know, he, he, you know, they call him the horse and there was a reason for it. This guy would do everything, whether it was on the four check, his first guy in last guy out, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and, and I agree with you. I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of paved the way for some guys. I, I thought some of the younger players really followed Pierre-Luc Dubois' lead this season. So I, I yeah, hundred percent agree with you. Um, we don't have to dive into it too deep because I know, you want to get on to some other subjects here, but well, yeah, just, I, I agree. I agree. You know, you know what? One thing on this, and I mean, Mal Connor <laughs> does have four years left on his deal. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just pulling this up and we've talked about the defense out, you know, most of the, you know, the top five at least have, you know, at two more years, if not more on their contracts, you know, what's that done to the blue line and, you know, yeah. what might have to, you know, happen to make room for the Dylan Sandbergs and the Ville Hainalas. If you look though at the forward group right now for the Winnipeg Jets, and we focus so much on the head coach and Pierre-Luc Dubois, there's a lot of work to do and a lot of roster construction. Right now, as we sit here, there are only, I guess, seven, if you want to include Cole Perfetti. Seven yeah. forwards signed next year. Shifley yeah. and Wheeler, and big questions as to you know what their future is, especially Shifley. You've got Connor, Ehlers, Adam Lowry as mainstays, signed more long-term. And Dominic Cotonato's got one more deal. But then Appleton, PLD, Hansen, uh, uh, Jansen, uh, Jan, Jansen Harkins. I don't know why I was having <laughs> such there. a hard time with that. And Evgeny Svechnikov, all RFAs. Um, and then Paul Stastny, Zach Sanford, and Adam Brooks. And Pierre Lebrun's got an interesting piece today on, Pierre, on Paul Stastny, having spoken to him, saying that he's definitely going to get to the 13th of July and see what yeah. is out there. So, uh, you know, this forward group, not even talking about potential deals involving key players at the core, could look very, very different. And I imagine will look very, very different by the time we get to the season. But that just speaks to the laundry list of things that Kevin Sheveldayoff has his plate outside of the big rocks, which is the head coach and the number one priority of signing Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the thing. We heard it on the weekend. On the, on, on, I, I guess it was the 32 thoughts on Hockey in Canada, they hadn't even started really talking negotiations with Pierre-Luc Dubois yet. And I imagine part of that is, most of it, if, if anything, is, it, you know, they're still trying to figure out who the head coach is going to be of this club. And if I'm Pierre-Luc Dubois, I also want to know who that is, right? I want to know who's going to be leading me for, you know, the next five, six, however many years, potentially, right? You know, if it flops or whatever. But, um, but yeah, you know, and so uh, it, it's interesting. And and if you're Pierre Dubois, you want to see a summer where this team, you know, doesn't take a step backwards because you want to be a part of a rebuild when you're starting to come into your own. You want to be a part of a team that's, you know, uh, that's trending upward. And and you know, the Jets obviously aren't trending upward at the moment. But you know, uh, how does a new coach does Barry Trotz fix that? I, I'm curious about Bruce Cassidy too. I mean, now that. Bruce Cassidy's on, on on the board now. Um, I, I'm interested. What do you think when you saw Jets. that yesterday? I, mean, I don't I, know. I, was, I don't know I what the floored. Bruins are doing. I, I I don't know what the Bruins are doing. I mean, you know, it, it's not Bruce Cassidy's fault that his team is you know aging on him. Um, it's not Bruce Cassidy's fault that he has a winning record and has been to the playoffs. I believe in every year that he's coached that team. Um, you know, I I don't I, I don't I, I don't get it. I mean, I think they just they. They, they need to go a new direction. But, you know, if, if it was me, it'd be Don Sweeney that needs to, uh, you know, maybe a change there, not not Bruce Cassidy. I think Bruce Cassidy is a well-respected coach who who, who talks to, uh, who speaks to his players. I mean, you know, we've seen that more and more now with the Martin St. Louis and, and the Andrew Burnett's and, 
and that, you know, I mean, Bruce Cassidy is a former player, not necessarily an NHL or uh, for a long period of time. I think he played a few games uh, in, in the NHL, but it wasn't a lot, I don't think. So, um, but, you know, it, it's just like you, some of these teams have really gone to the thing where, you know, they speak to the players and, and, and that's one of the things that, you know, I don't think that the Boston Bruins ever quit on Bruce Cassidy. They're just banged up. I mean, you look at all these guys that with the Bruins that need, you know, essentially surgery that's going to cost them games next season. And so I wonder if maybe that was just it. It's like, you know, the Bruins are at this point now where a lot of their big stars are aging and it's just, it's, it, you don't know if Pierre produced Bergeron, sorry, it's coming back next season and all that stuff, where, where it's going to get to. So, um, but at the same time, I just think that, you know, like the Barry Trotz move uh, by firing Barry Trotz, it, it's surprising. I mean, you look at some of the other firings that have happened, not as surprising, but you look at the two now biggest coaches, I believe, on the free agent market um, and, and probably fired before they probably needed to or even if they ever needed to. I mean, it's, it's weird to cut loose um, on some of these guys that have been really good. And I, I don't know, like, I mean, unless the Bruins are getting Barry Trotz, you know, I don't know if they're even that is that a lateral move. I don't know. I mean, what what's the appreciable difference between a Trotz and a Cassidy at this point? I mean, Trotz obviously has the the Stanley Cup ring, but I wonder what the difference is. Well, you if know? you're t- if you're picking so, between dudes that casually put up 50 wins a season and I, uh, and have great playoff performances, I mean, right. you're it's six and one half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Um, obviously different styles a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you look at the, the Bruins, I mean, the, the Bruins defensive numbers, um, you know, pretty much everything points to a really, really good team Yeah. that, um, you know, listen, the East was so stacked this year. I mean, they went down and they lost in the seventh game to a really good Carolina team. I, I was, I was surprised, yeah. uh, but it doesn't surprise me that so many people are now mentioning Bruce Cassidy's name. That being said, it's quite obvious that Barry Trotz remains the number one target of the Winnipeg Jets. And I know we've heard some other names out there, but um, yeah, True North has always had quite a bit of patience and it seems like they're going to be as patient as they need to be. <laughs> Although I'd imagine there is some uh, anxiety growing as you get closer because uh, man, it would be nice to have that head coach to know exactly the direction you're going and then get on to all this other business that we just sort of rolled through to potentially happen, hopefully before the draft. I agree. I mean, I think if you're the Jets, you want somebody before the draft. And we've heard now that the Jets have talked to the Scott O'Neill. I believe they've talked to Rick Tockett as well. And there's some interest potentially in Jim Montgomery, who, um, you know, went through a, a tough time personal in his personal life um, and is now clean um, from his, uh, uh, I believe it was alcohol um, that he had, uh, you know, some issues with. And, and it obviously cost him his job in Dallas. Um so the, there's that too, but I mean, I, now I would imagine Cassidy is also on this. I I would honestly think that Cassidy, and and it's early, and I haven't really checked into this one yet because I mean, I imagine Bruce is still kind of dealing with some shock himself. But I, I would imagine that Cassidy um, is up on that list, and the Jets would want to talk to a guy like that. Um, you know, it, it's again, like you said, I mean, I think he won 50 games three times with uh, one year was 49 wins. I mean, whatever, and years makes no difference went to the Stanley Cup finals in the playoffs all of those seasons. I mean, I, I it, yeah, it's weird. It's weird that that teams are like, you know, these these are bona fide great coaches and they're cutting loose on some of them and I'm I'm not uh, not entirely sure why. Um but you know, we'll see. I mean, if Barry Trotz or Bruce Cassidy comes in Winnipeg and, and turns this team around, 
well, you know, you know, tough luck for the Bruins, and and and, uh, and obviously a great game uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. No doubt about it. What uh, w- what's on the docket for tonight? Uh, you hitting the club, or uh, <laughs> you, uh, where where's the big birthday dinner? I, I don't know yet. Uh, I, I've I've laid out a few things uh, that to my wife that uh, I'd like to go to. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, they range from McDonald's to five three nine, so <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure yet. Um, just also putting together the final touches on our Bombers preview in the paper. It should be out tomorrow, I believe, or or Thursday, if nothing else. So some good stuff there. Sat down with Wade Miller this week and talked to him about the Bombers and and the state of the Bombers and motivation going forward and the three peat and so lots of excitement on that too. So uh, yeah. It's a it's a busy week, and uh, who knows what could happen any day. You get a coaching bomb drop. Well, off absolutely. Us. I know you'll be paying attention both to the blue and gold, who opened the season on Friday, and uh, everything going on with the Winnipeg Jets over in the pages of the Winnipeg Sun. Scotty, happy birthday! Thanks for doing this, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, man. I Good appreciate stuff. It. The birthday boy, Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun, with us. Mike McIntyre is going to join us in just a second. Uh, I do want to give a big thanks to our friends, Culligan Water, the water experts, family owned and hydrating the province for over 65 years. Culligan has it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage, or your office, Culligan's got you covered. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180. And you can hit them up online and check out all their products and services at drinkculligan.com. Calm. Uh, man, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery ready for summer. And I know it's been a little taking time to get here, uh, but of course, with their expanded spring hours, so many of our listeners and their customers taking advantage of their expanded hours up until 8 p.m. Maybe they get a little bit of work done on some things during the week so they can max out their time away from the office on the weekend. Bottom line is whatever you need a battery for, for your summer toys or activities, Manitoba Battery has them, and you'll save time and money as opposed to going to the big box stores. Best prices in town. Shop local. Don't waste your time at Costco or Canadian Tire. Manitoba Battery's got you covered. Check them out online at manitobabattery.com. Give them a call at 783-8787. They'll help you out and get whatever you need ready for a quick and easy pickup. You can always pop down and see him in person at 1026 Logan Avenue. And while huge tent sale on the weekend at Royal Sports, very successful. But if you've ever been to Royal and you know how much inventory they have, you know there'll be some more tent sales coming up. Always keep your eyes on for uh, eyes open for those on their Instagram page at Royal Sports Pemina. Uh, but for whatever you need, you want licensed merchandise from your favorite team, Royal's got it. Looking for a bike? Their expanded bike section is rolling into summer and ready for you. Got the biggest hockey selection, soccer, softball, baseball, fitness, tennis, disc golf, and more. Whatever you want to uh, improve your time outside or look good for you sports fans. Royals got you covered. 750 Pemina Highway. And again, follow them on Insta at Royal Sports Pemina. Let's bring in the world traveling Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. who joins us back from Germany and Southern Ontario, getting ready for the Canadian Open. Mike, how was your time in Europe? I was fabulous. Uh, I think when I joined you last week, though, Huss, I mentioned that I had made it to Germany and my luggage did not. So let me let me finish that story for you. 
I ended up spending all six days in Germany without any luggage. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Uh, I didn't have, other than what I wore on the plane, that's all I had on me. Uh, I managed to scrape together some of the uh, essentials, you know, toothpaste, toothbrush, razor, um, shampoo, that kind of stuff. And then uh, after three straight days of just washing the outfit that I had on me, uh, it actually became a bit of a running joke down at the golf course where Aaron Cockrell every day would just, he'd wonder if I got my luggage. And then as soon as he saw me wearing the same thing, <laughs> he had his answer. Uh, so then I went on a bit of a shopping spree. Uh, I hit up a couple stores in downtown Hamburg at the uh, on the airline's dime since they lost my luggage, managed to piece together an outfit. The footnote to this story, Huss, is yesterday morning, uh, I, I'm, I had a, an 8 a.m. flight out of Hamburg, which is like 1 a.m. Winnipeg time. I go to the airport like three hours early because I wanted to take one last ditch at maybe finding my luggage. I, I had this feeling that it had come in and they just hadn't tracked it properly. And my gut instinct proved to be correct because I managed to convince someone to let me into this holding area which was enormous. It's like a luggage graveyard. I'm talking hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of bags. I was literally crawling over bags and there in the middle of a giant pile was my lonely single piece of luggage gathering dust. Uh, so I, uh, I got it with me. Now, of course, part of me thought they would then lose it as I flew from Germany to Toronto. I've never been more relieved than standing at the baggage carousel yesterday afternoon, seeing that black American tourister bag uh, making the rounds. So I now have all my clothes plus an additional set of new outfits, courtesy of Eurowings that paid uh, about 300 euros for me to go shopping the other day. We were really hoping that you were going to show up in a bunch of lederhosen after your yes, time in, uh, in Hamburg, but he did not quite get it. Um, Tell us about the time out there following Aaron on the European tour. I mean, obviously, we've followed the coverage and yeah. you know, we followed what he's done. He's had just a phenomenal year. Uh, and, of course, this week makes his debut in his first PGA Tour event, our national championship, the RBC Canadian Open. Yeah, so Aaron made the cut, which was great. Um, I mean, I was out there either way to follow him around last week and this week, but obviously playing four rounds instead of two. Uh, made for a little bit better uh, coverage. And, um, of course, I'm working on a, a big behind-the-scenes feature kind of covering our time in Germany and also here in Toronto. And that's going to run in this Saturday's Winnipeg Free Press over about four or five pages, all kinds of photos and great behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, but so we made the cut. Um, he was in the, uh, uh, the top 73 that made the cut after the first two rounds of the 156 guys who teed off. Let me tell you about this golf course, Haas. I've been on a lot of golf courses in my life. I have never, ever seen anything like Green Eagle Golf Course in Hamburg. This, this thing is an absolute monster. Uh, to give you a little idea, they have a 705-yard par 5. 705 oh. yards. Uh, they have two other par fives that are just north of 600 yards. 
They had three par fours playing at 500 yards plus. I'm out. And I'm, even, out I'm out on this. <laughs> oh, and, and if that length isn't fun enough for you, Huss, how about the fact that 17 of the 18 holes have water on them? Uh, so the European tour is the second best tour in the world. Uh, there were 12 players who didn't even finish their second round. They just quit. Uh, <laughs> they, they were done. In fact, uh, quite a few of them quit mid-round. They didn't even wait till the end of their first or second rounds. They literally walked off the course. Um, we Aaron had a bunch of different playing partners over the, the first few days. So we started as a, a threesome on Thursday. Uh, one of the guys in our group, a uh, guy from Ireland, he shot 80 on the first day. Aaron shot a really good 70. The guy wasn't back for Friday. He was done. He'd seen enough. Uh, then the guy that was playing with us on Friday, now also played Thursday, I saw him twice after missing short putts, uh, just whack his ball into the nearby lake because he was so frustrated. I was expecting to see golf clubs get chucked into the water at some point in time. This course was, was a monster. Uh, Aaron ended up finishing 70th, so right near the bottom of the guys that made the uh, made the cut. He had an 80 on Sunday. That was really his only bad round he played. Uh, he shot 70, 77, and that was not indicative of his play in round two. A really good 73 on Saturday. So a finished 70th made the cut, and as he told me, the hope is that kind of that really tough test out there will get him primed and ready to take on a much tougher uh field of competition here in Canada, but perhaps a bit of an easier golf course in uh, historic St. George's. No doubt about it. Seeing some, <laughs> seeing some great comments. Patrolman Pete, as someone who has rage quit golf before, it's nice to know it happens to the pros too. Um, <laughs> no doubt. Um, well, hey, just quickly before we transition over to the, uh, uh, over to some jet stuff and, you know, more of the local scene. How much, uh, you know, you're in and around, you know, the European tour for four days. How much of the conversations around the golf course were about the live golf tour and what's happening with the Saudis? And uh, because as much as, you know, the PGA tours lost a few guys, the DP tour, the European tour yeah. really stands to lose the most right now. And I imagine there was a lot of uh, nerves in and around that tour considering what's happening. Absolutely. And, and, you know, again, to give you a sense of how this works. So I shuttled the, the golf course was about a 45 minute ride out of Hamburg. I took the, uh, the player shuttle every day. I walked to where they, the pickup point was. So I actually rode the shuttle every day, like 90 minutes a day with players, with caddies, with tour officials. I can tell you us almost all of the talk. Now, at least the talk that I could understand there was a lot of talk in a lot of different languages. And I was going to tell you, one of the funniest stories was on Saturday. Aaron was paired with a Swedish golfer who just had a miserable time. And I, I wish I could tell you what was being said. All I know is that the Swedish golfer and his caddy were having major issues and they were yelling at each other in Swedish for much of the round. Uh, it was quite it was quite the spectacle. Uh, I did manage to get a few F-bombs uh, out of the player. Those were in English, not in Swedish, the universal language, I guess. Um, but absolutely, the live tour, 
was big time talk. I mean, Martin Keimer was supposed to play last week in Hamburg and he's one of the guys that's playing in the live. Now he withdrew. He was like the big, you know, the German face of that tournament last week. He withdrew on the day before the event with a mysterious hand injury. Uh, a lot of people wondered if it was just more like he didn't want to uh, maybe face the music, if you will, in his home country. I suspect his hand will be nicely healed this week for the $25 million purse or whatever it is uh, over on the inaugural event. But yeah, it was it was big time talk for sure. And I can tell you, you know, for the players that are still on the tour, nobody's shedding any tears over some of the best DP World Tour guys going over to the live. It just opens up more opportunity for these guys to make some hay. I mean, this is a business where uh, it's all for one, one for all, right? So anything that helps your odds. I can tell you a bit of a funny story here in Toronto. Dustin Johnson was the face of the Canadian Open. He's an RBC ambassador. This is the RBC Canadian Open. His his face was everywhere on billboards, on all the promotional material. Uh, and I can tell you the decision that DJ made last week kind of caught everybody by surprise. They were literally ripping down posters and billboards here, uh, be, you know, kind of calling an audible. So, uh, yeah, big time topic of discussion. And uh, I suspect it's uh, it's going to continue here for the foreseeable future. No doubt about it. Mike McIntyre is with us. Make sure to check Saturday's free press for <clears throat> the full report on his time in Germany with Aaron Cockrell. And fingers crossed, we'll be able to watch Aaron Cockrell play on Saturday and Sunday if he can make it to the weekend in his first ever PGA Tour start. Uh, Mike, back to the Jets. We were just talking with Scott about Kyle yeah. Connor's brilliant season and winning the Lady Bing. Uh, but I have to ask you first, Trot's watch. What's the latest? Uh, what, what are you hearing? Anything percolating? And, and at what point do you think we'll have some clarity one way or the other about Barry Trotz in particular and see the dominoes start to fall in the head coaching uh, with all the vacancies around, including the new one in Boston yesterday with Cassidy getting a pink slip? Well, I was going to say Trot's watch has a new twist now with uh, <laughs> with Cassidy watch as well, because I, I would think just based on you know, his uh, track record that Bruce Cassidy goes right up to the top of the list, along with Barry Trotz, maybe one, one and one A or one A, one B as hot commodities on the open market. I mean, all Bruce Cassidy has done in his time in Boston is win and get teams to the playoffs. And uh, that decision, you know, you talk about out of left field, the decision to kind of fire him as they did uh, I, I don't understand it. Uh, I really don't. Um, I get that the Bruins are maybe on the, the verge of going through a bit of a transformation. And of course, the guy that just won the Selkie may be done in, in Bergeron. I mean, who knows what's happening with him? Um, you know, Brad Marchand is going to miss a good chunk of the season now uh, because he's just had surgery. So I don't know if this is a case where the Bruins just decided, you know, we're, we're about to kind of uh, you know, hit a downslope here. So let's maybe hitch our wagon to somebody else. But, you know, I got to think the Jets and any team out there that now has a coaching vacancy is also going to want to talk to Bruce Cassidy. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that we're any closer to discovering Barry Trotz's timeline here, but I have to think that the coaching carousel is very much going to come to a standstill until Trotz decides where he's going because 
there are going to be a number of teams, you know, when the music stops that won't have a chair, at least at the as when it comes to Trot's watch, and they're going to have to pivot. Now, will some of those teams get impatient and just decide, you know, take themselves out of the out of the race and basically say to Barry, "Hey, thanks for your time, but we're actually going in a different direction." I'll say this: I don't expect the Jets would be one of those teams. I think the Jets are all in on Barry Trotz. I think the Jets are willing to be patient. Um, but I do think the Jets, you know, they're exploring, obviously, other scenarios. And you have to plan, I guess, for the potential that he doesn't come here. And then what do you do? And But but again, given, you know, Bruce Cassidy now on the market, and we know some of the other names out there. Rick Talk, it's a guy that, you know, certainly has been linked to the Jets and a number of other teams as well. I, I think at the end of the day, the Jets are going to probably get a very good head coach. They'd obviously love, I think, it to be Barry Trotz. If it's not Barry Trotz, I still think they should be confident that they're going to be in good hands. Uh, I just don't think there's a real rush for it. I saw Kevin Chevaldeoff at the Combine last week, not surprisingly, talked about you know the process and the patience, and that's a true North staple. Uh, so I don't expect that to change anytime soon. And uh, I, I suspect Trot's watch is going to continue here uh, probably well into the month of June. I think if you're the Jets, you want to get this sorted out, certainly before the draft, certainly before free agency. And I don't know if you saw us, Paul Stasny did an interview, I think it was with Pierre Lebrun, and he talked about how he's going to wait to free agency before he decides on anything with Winnipeg or what else. And I found it interesting that he he talked about wanting to see what's happening on the coaching front. And that's why if you're the Jets and if you're getting Barry Trotz, or even if you're not getting Barry Trotz, I think you have to have that settled by July 13th at the absolute latest. Mm -hmm. You can make your best pitch in free agency. Well, and I would say as well, I mean, we were just talking with Billick and, and, you know, we're looking at the Jets and we know that the blue line is, overcrowded to be honest and they're going to need to probably move a player or two to make some room for some younger players and also at the same time free up some salary but if you look at the jets right now if you include cole perfetti there's seven forwards signed for next year including a couple with big question marks beside them that of course is mark shifley and blake wheeler um you know they're you know, appleton harkins svetch uh, and of course, PLD, all restricted free agents. Right. But as it pertains to Dubois, clearly the number one priority of the hockey club outside of the coaching search. I think it's pretty tough to even start talking to a player about a long-term commitment and a contract if he doesn't know exactly the way things are shaping up for the upcoming season. And of course, who the boss is going to be for the hockey team. For sure. And and my understanding is there really haven't been any talks of any substance yet with Pierre-Luc Dubois and his camp. And again, I think part of that is the Jets are very much focused. You know, Kevin Shoveldayoff's time is very much focused on the coaching end of things right now. But I think that's the that's the right order, um, because you're right. When you when you go to Pierre-Luc Dubois's camp and you start, you know, hammering out what his next deal looks like, if you're PLD, I think you absolutely want to know who's steering the ship here, not just next season, but, you know, what what exactly it's going to look like, um, you know, a few years down the road from now when hopefully you're still around. So, you know, that that's very interesting um, and, and a very important deal, but one that, like you said, is very much uh, taking a back seat right now. By the way, Huss, 
speaking of the Dubois contract and the trade, I'm sure you saw Jack Roslevic just signed a new deal today. $4 million a year. That's uh, that's pretty good change for a guy that, you know, was having a tough time finding a home here in Winnipeg. I know he had a pretty nice season, but uh, to get $8 million, you know, I completely different players, different positions, different scenarios. But I do wonder, you know, what is Jack Roslevic getting $4 million? Like, what does it mean for Pierre-Luc Dubois' next deal? What does it mean for a guy like Andrew Kopp, um, who's going to be a UFA and... You know, uh, anytime a new a player signs a deal, no doubt other guys around the league and their agents, especially, perk up. And well, we've loved to kick this thing around. I mean, what do you think Cop ends up getting? I mean, listen, he has only helped his cause every yeah. step of the way since he arrived in New York. And by all accounts, I think there will be a real push by the New York Rangers to sign him. But it does sort of sound like they're going to have to choose between Ryan Strom. Yeah or Andrew Kopp. Um, that being said, with what Kopp has done throughout his career in Winnipeg, coming to unrestricted free agency <clears throat> at this age, I think there's going to be a ton of interest in him. And before, I didn't think he was a $5 million player. I wouldn't be surprised that this number is over 5.5, five, maybe even closer to 6, depending on the term. Depending on the term, for sure. But I, I, I agree. I think if, if you're Kurt Overhart, his agent you're hanging up the phone on anything that's not starting probably with five and a half. Right. And, uh, um, you know, I think obviously if you're Andrew Kopp, you want as much term as you can get here. This is your, this is your big swing. This is what you've been building towards. This is the time to kind of pay off on that bet on yourself. And, you know, Andrew Kopp kind of doubled down on the bet on himself and, and continues to double down on it with his performance in these playoffs. And, you know, he's, he's still kind of writing the script here. The Rangers are up 2-1. If I mean, if he can kind of help carry them all the way to the Stanley Cup final uh, on the biggest stage of all, like it's 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 only adding to his value for sure. I'm good for him. You know, a lot of players would probably love to be in a position to do what he did. And a lot of players have gone that route uh, only to kind of swing and miss. And he's kind of hitting it out of the park right now. Uh, and so, you know, as somebody who got to know Andrew Kopp and all that he did in this in this city for this team, uh, you love to see it. Good for him. No doubt about it. Uh, what do you make of the uh, demise of the Oilers? Uh, Do you see much of the game? I know you're in Germany, so it was probably tough yeah. to tough to follow it all. I mean, it just seemed like Colorado has been working to build up for this moment for a long time when they were completely ready for it. And listen, a number of the Oilers were as well, especially the top guys. But I'll tell you what, I mean, this just goes back. We had the all the laughs when they re-signed Mike Smith to a two-year deal, Mike. No, and no. it's almost incredible that they made it as far as he did with him serving up at least one bad goal a game, especially in that Calgary series where they won four straight and got out in five. Yeah, would he give up like five, you 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 know, five goals on the last 15 shots last night, right? Like when it looked like his team maybe had that game under control. Uh, they didn't get the saves that they needed from him. And, you know, like Mike Smith in a little, in a few ways reminds me of Andre Pavlik a bit. A guy that he can make spectacular saves, right? That that make the highlight reels. A lot of that is because he's often totally out of position. Um, you know, so his saves look almost more spectacular than they probably need to be. But then at the end of the night, you look at his final numbers and you kind of go, ooh, well, that's that's not so great. Um, 
you know, the Oilers, I, I suspect in Edmonton, they'll portray this as success. They finally won a series. They won two series, in fact. Um, you know, but they were no match at all for for Colorado. Uh, you know, Colorado team that didn't have Kadri here for really the last couple games that uh, didn't have their number one goalie in Darcy Kemper. Uh, now, Edmonton, to be fair to the Oilers, two of their most important players outside of Connor McDavid were, you know, seriously banged up. Darnell Nurse was a shell of himself. He's their number one minutes guy on the blue line. And he three series with a torn hip flexor. Right. And Leon Dreisaitl. Now, Leon Dreisaitl was outstanding for a guy playing on one leg, basically. Like, get 17 points in five games against the Flames. It, it's it's insane. Like, that's a performance for the ages. And so for all the, well, Dreisaitl was hurt, it, it hurt the Oilers. I don't know that, I mean, what would a healthy Dreisaitl have been able to do? Um, like, I don't know if you could have expected anything more, even if he was 100% in terms of production. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I guess, like, great for the Oilers. They they won a couple rounds. But as we saw, I mean, heck, Montreal went to the cup final last year and then, you know, fell right on their faces this year. Like, my point being that success in one season doesn't guarantee you anything the next season. And if I'm the Oilers, like, you still have to do major work when it comes to goaltending and that blue line, or else you're wasting again, another year, another season of having perhaps the two best players in the game. Certainly the, the number one player and dry settles right up there. Um, you know, you, you need to, you need to give these guys more to work with. And so this will be a big off season for the Oilers, but as you point out us, they still have that anchor of a contract in Mike Smith for one more year. At least they get rid of Koskinen. Uh, so I'll be curious to see what they do. Um, but whoever they, they need to bring in another top flight goaltender to give the McDavid's and dry settles kind of some help. Hey, uh, Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg free press with us out in Southern Ontario, getting ready for the Canadian open mm -hmm. uh, with us on Winnipeg sports talk. I don't know about you. I would imagine it's quite similar to me. I heard from no shortage of Winnipeg Jet fans, including Michael Remus, absolutely triggered by NHL player safety, only giving out one game to repeat offender Evander Kane when you consider what Mark Shifley got last yeah. year to sort of, you know, establish a new normal. What's happened to NHL player safety? And did you have that same reaction that so many other people here that, you know, just couldn't understand how what Kane did, how dangerous it was, dangerous it was, right. resulting in an injury was one game, and we all know how the Winnipeg Jets star got treated last year. Yeah, resulted in a significant injury that is probably going to cost Nazem Kadri the rest of the playoffs. Like he just had surgery. I doubt he's he's. I doubt there's any way he's an option for the Stanley Cup final, uh, and so. I don't get it. I really don't. I thought at the at bare minimum, I thought Kane had to get at least two, maybe three. Like that's that was the starting point to me. I would have been fine if they gave him four and said, basically, you're out for the rest of this series. You know, even if it goes the distance, you're going to miss every other game. You're not coming back in this series because the guy that you hurt is not coming back in this series. So for it just to be one game and for through the NHL and now it, the Oilers didn't take advantage of it, 
But for the NHL to give Evander Kane and the Oilers an, an, a chance to get back and play, you know, three more games in this series, to me, was unfathomable. And, you know, sometimes I, I feel that the criticism, or I feel it's over the top, like, and it, it can be depending on, you know, your perspective, fan bases, they get all bent out of shape. I don't care where you're coming from on this one. And I'm not even really a Nazem Kadri fan, like given some of the stuff he's done. I just don't see how you could spin this any way that makes sense. And I, other than this, Huss, I do wonder if who the victim is here played a role. That, And, and this would be archaic, barbaric thinking. If they're going, well, this is a guy who's – He's been suspended a lot in the past for doing dumb things to other players. So now that somebody did something really dumb to him, we're going to go a little easier on the offender. Um, no, it should not work that way. There's just no consistency. and and It shouldn't, and you're exactly right. But I'm telling you right now, if that was 29 instead of 91 and Nate McKinnon's out for the rest of the series... There's zero chance it was going to be a one-gamer. And frankly, he gets kicked out of the game when it happened in the first place. I still can't believe he was allowed to hang around. Yeah, I mean, that was a a mind-boggling call on the ice at the time. And again, how did that not factor in? Like, the NHL, at the very least, should have added one more game with the idea that they completely screwed up the original call and didn't even punt him, you know, when he should have been punted. So, like, he got... In my eyes, he basically got a bonus game in that he was allowed to stay in. That was, what, a couple minutes into the first period? So, like, they should have been without him for the rest of that game. Yeah, it's – and, you know, this is where I know they produce their little videos where they explain it, but I I really wish there was a scenario where a guy like Peros would be made available for questioning, where you could actually put some of these – and have him defend it. And, you know, the NHL, they'll never do that, of course. Um, but, you know, I, if I'm Colorado, I'm livid. They just lost one of their best players on a just boneheaded, you know, completely unnecessary move. But, hey, you're the the Avalanche yeah. are pretty deep, so uh, they'll you probably think, be okay. Yeah, you, you think they're pissed off now. Just imagine if they'd lost that game. Oh. And, oh, Evander Kane's back in the lineup for game yeah. number five. Uh, Mike, great stuff. What's the sched for the next few days for you? Yeah, so I got a I got a column that'll be in tomorrow's paper, just kind of teeing up Aaron Cockrell here in Toronto at the Canadian Open, and then tomorrow he's playing a he's playing in the Pro Am, and all his family's going to be out here. So uh, I'll be uh, on the course with him bright and early tomorrow at the Pro Am, uh, kind of finishing up my interviews for my feature that's running Saturday, and then uh, daily coverage in the uh, sports section of the Free Press starting Thursday. I'll be on the course as he plays round one and round two, and Plus, I have not booked my flight home because, uh, well, I'm either coming home Saturday or Monday, uh, depending, of course, if Aaron Cockrell is playing the weekend. And uh, I'd love to be able to book my flight home Monday. It means a couple extra days on the road, but uh, it'd be a great story if the uh, if the kid from Stony Mountain, you know, hanging here with the likes of Scheffler and McElroy and Justin Thomas uh, could play the weekend. What a What a great tale that would be. Never mind play the weekend. I got a little sprinkle on him at 300 to one to win in his first PGA Tour event. So let's get the Cinderella story going right now. Wouldn't that be great when you being right there it to would tell be. that? We'll see what happens. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. Travel safe and uh, 
from the sounds of it, whenever you're leaving Pearson, get there eight to ten hours before. It sounds like oh. there's uh, not a lot of good things happening right now. Did you have to sit on the plane for two hours before you got off? Well, I did, and, and not two. I sat on, on almost an hour, and then Aaron Cockrell. Aaron was on a on a slightly later flight than me yesterday, and so he texted me and said he was on the runway and said, "Did you get stuck here?" And I was now finally at the hotel. I said, "Yeah, I did." And he ended up getting stuck for about two and a half hours on the runway yesterday. It's it's mayhem. I saw Ryan. I think it was Ryan Whitney's video. Oh, Wit. Wit was. Wit just basically said, "I now live at Pearson right. International Airport." He was there for like a full day. Yeah, it was uh, it was chaotic, no question about it. So uh, not looking forward to that. But hopefully, I'm flying home monday instead of saturday uh, no we'll doubt we'll, we'll look forward to all the coverage and especially the all big right. feature in saturday's free press thanks for doing this mike you bet take care great stuff there's mike mcintyre from the winnipeg free press kyle connor of the jets coming up in just a second of course talking a lot of golf with mike and we certainly will be following the rbc canadian open and um every time we talk golf on winnipeg sports talk we do it for our friends over at breezy bend country club uh, the weather's nice. The course is back open. People are getting out there. And uh, if you're looking for a long-term home for you and your family, uh, one, of, one of Winnipeg's top private courses, Breezy Bend's the spot for you. Give Corey Johnson a call over at the course or find out more online at breezybend.ca about their waiting list and making it your playing home for 2023. Uh, a big shout-out to our friends at Not Auto Corp. Not's been so great to us at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Been with us since day one. Um, and they've also helped a lot of Winnipeggers get into the car of their dreams at an amazing price. Why not make the move to not and head on down to Waverly and McGilvery and see everything they've got on site. And if there's a particular make and vehicle you're looking for, uh, make and model of a vehicle you're looking for, talk to the experts at Not. They'll source it, find it, get it here for you at the best possible price. Again, Waverly and McGilvery and find out more online at not.ca. And a big cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug for an incredibly successful Pride Weekend and Pride Parade. Little Brown Jug, of course, the official beer of Pride Winnipeg. You can pick up the queer beer now, along with some other great new offerings from Little Brown Jug for the summer, including their cider, Saison, Hefeweizen, and Folkfest Lager. Grab it at the tap room or try it on their patio. And of course, you can also pick it up at beer stores throughout the city of Winnipeg. You can always find them online as well and order delivery to your home at littlebrownjug.ca. We will talk CFL kickoff coming up two days from now on Thursday night between Montreal and Calgary. Uh, but we got to talk to the man of the hour, Kyle Connor, 47 goals and only four penalty minutes last night announced as the 2022 Lady Bing Trophy winner, joining some pretty elite company. And Kyle Connor joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Kyle, what's going on? How are you? Hey, doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure having you on. And uh, first things first, congratulations on uh, winning the Lady Bing Trophy. 79 games, 47 goals, and only four penalty minutes. Uh, it, I was just saying off air, it was... That almost sounds impossible. Um, uh, what would you attribute, uh, you know, the season to the incredible scoring numbers and the fact that you only went to the penalty box two times? Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's definitely a little bit of luck. You know, you play that many minutes, that many games, like you said. And you, you know, you got you, there's so many little stick infractions. Uh, you know, you don't even mean to. It could get caught up in someone's skates or 
you know, even a puck over the glass. I mean, you got a little bit more control over that, but, um, so it's a, yeah, like you said, I only have two penalty minutes, pretty shocking to myself as, as well. And, um, didn't even know it was kind of up for the award or, you know, have buzz around or talk that I might be a nominee until, you know, only a handful of the games left when a lot of our media started talking about it. So it wasn't even in the back of my mind, really. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you, I mean, was that ever sort of even on the radar or, I mean, did they, you sort of hear people talking about it realize, oh yeah, I guess I have only been to the box twice all season long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think when I was first asked the question, um, you know, do I remember the penalty minutes? Uh, remember one of them and had to think about the other one, but it came back to me. But it's kind of crazy to think about, like you're saying. What was it? One was a stick on McDavid and the other one was, what was it, a hook on Matt Barzell? Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, the, just in the island where we were playing, Barzell was alone. I mean, I had to Try to get my stick in there a little bit, and you know, I mean, I would have wanted that call too. I got it in his hand, so no, no complaints on that one. But McDavid one was a little soft. I think it was just in the neutral zone, <laughs> give him a little stick tap. But it's what it is. Uh, you know, two seasons ago, thirty-four minutes. I mean, it's not like you've spent a ton of time, but you know, obviously, it's a big decrease over two seasons. Um, you know, with the way the game has been called, was there ever um? Uh, a change in you know what you've done with your stick or positioning or anything like that to sort of avoid it or is this just a natural progression of your game yeah no nothing I mean I haven't changed my game obviously development and game and you know work and get better but from from that standpoint I've there's nothing like hey, I gotta take more penalties here I've taken 34 um I just you know you can't help your team from the box um so I'm not looking to take any penalties but it doesn't change my game at all have you I mean just from your standpoint Hell, of course, you're certainly uh, doing a great job of drawing penalties. Um, obviously, you took a couple. Have you seen at all a change in the way the game has been called over the last couple seasons? Is that, uh, you know, we kind of you know continue to move forward and try and get more speed in the game and allow players like yourself to have the room to do what you do? Yeah, I know coming into this year, the biggest question was how they changed calling, officiating the game from the regular season to the playoffs. Um, that was obviously a big issue. It's, you know, as players, it pretty much changes the rules, you know, what you can do and get away with from the regular season playoffs. So, um, watch a little bit. It seems like they've gotten better at that, but, um, honestly throughout the regular season, there's, there's not much change the past couple of years. Um, you know, they try to implement new rules here and there, but I feel like it always goes back to the same. Kyle Connor, the Winnipeg Jets, Lady Bing trophy winner. And, you know, I have to admit like the names on this trophy are are pretty incredible. Nathan McKinnon, who, of course, we saw book a ticket to the Stanley Cup last night. Alex Barkov, Johnny Gaudreau, Andre Kopitar, Ryan O'Reilly, Marty St. Louis, Pavel Datsuk, who I know was a hero of yours growing up. I mean, you're in pretty special company. And, you know, it's one thing to stay out of the box, but the other side of it is you've got to be a very productive player and help your team win hockey games. And you certainly did that in spades this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, same kind of thing. Like when I knew I was up for nominee, just looked it up and, you know, obviously knew a couple of past winners, but took a look at the list and I mean, pretty incredible hockey players. It's, it's pretty cool to have my name on the same trophy, you know, forever. And um, as those guys and um, yeah, like you said, Datsuk is, I mean, he won it four times in a row there from 06 to 09. And, um, you know, I always try to model my game after him. And so it's, that's pretty cool. When you were a kid, was he your guy? Like, was he number one? Oh, yeah. I was, uh, I mean, Detroit kid, um, just outside. Loved the Red Wings and, um, yeah, was trying to do everything he did in the backyard rink. 
Hey, let me ask you, how do you find out? I mean, did you find out that you won when they just do the announcement or did they hit you up beforehand? Uh, how does that work? Um, yeah. Um, so I got a call probably a week or two ago from Chevy and let me know that I was going to win it. Obviously, keep it tight. <laughs> Wasn't tweeting about it or anything, but just, you know, told the immediate family. And yeah, had a couple people over last night and um, family and friends and, you know, celebrated. Uh, obviously, Kyle, the season for the team didn't go the way you guys wanted, not being in the pl- in the playoffs. But I mean, for yourself, I mean, career highs, 47 goals, 93 points. When you look back uh, from a personal level, what went so well for you? Yeah, I think just consistency throughout the whole year. I don't think I had too many, you know, droughts staying off the score sheet and, you know, trying to compete every single night. It's such a long, grueling season to be able to bring your game um, you know, every single night, it's tough at times. Um, and I think it's just a progression of, um, building, stacking these years on top of each other, getting a little, a little smarter, you know, knowing the pro game, just, just another year, another, another year older. And, um, you know, the work I do here in the off season and, um, you know, just keep striding and, you know, being as competitive as I can, we don't want to be the best player. You know, I mean, as much as the 47 goals is impressive, I mean, the other thing, and you just sort of touched on it, was your consistency all year long. I mean, I'm not sure if you ended up at this point, but for a good portion of the season, you would score in more games than anyone else. I mean, you didn't have a ton of hat tricks and whatnot, but you were consistently producing uh, for your team. Um, was that just a, a result of some of the things that you've talked about? Or, you know, is there it, once you get to be a veteran and you understand what it takes to to you know, do what you need to do day in and day out. Does that sort of help you get to the level that you achieved this year? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, to be able to bring that game every single night, um, help your team, you know, we, we realize that going down the stretch when it's, you know, late, you got 15, 20 games, you you know, you realize that you could have picked up a couple points here or there earlier in the season that would have made a big difference. So I think we just take that, I take that mentality every single day and, you know, try to bring it and, you know, it showed on the ice for sure. Uh, Kyle, what'd you do once the season was over? You get, uh, I mean, I know you're probably spending quite a bit of time on the golf course, but uh, any holidays, you get a time away and uh, have you paid it being paying attention to the playoffs? Do you just sort of turn that off for a little while once you're finished yourself? <laughs> no, yeah, I've been hacking it up on the golf course a little bit. Um, took a, took a trip down, got some warm weather. It's, we all know the winter in Winnipeg was pretty cold. So it was the worst, and, the worst yeah, ever. Um, but yeah, I've been paying attention, following the guys, obviously, Coppers out in New York and a couple of Michigan guys. So I've been rooting for them and um, been watching the games here and there. Uh, a pretty great run for the Rangers. And, you know, in some ways they sort of help you out. I mean, uh, you know, the team, the organization, at least by getting to the conference finals, the Jets get another first round pick. But, you know, as someone that was a Michigan guy, a former teammate, got to be cool to see Andrew Kopp and the success that he's having playing with a guy like Panarin and not doing it under the bright lights in New York City. Oh yeah, he's he's having a great postseason. It's kind of been his trajectory, his whole career. He's just gotten better every single year, and you know we see it. He's he plays the big moments, big minutes. Um, so yeah, I'll be watching those games. Hopefully, they can get it done. Now, did you uh, see much of Edmonton, uh, Colorado? Oh uh, yeah, a little bit. Watched a bit last night. The, yeah, the I mean the Avalanche. Uh, moving on, going to be a very, very tough t- team to beat. But then there's the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, back to back champs. We saw the way that they came back. Uh, whoever, if someone else is going to be able to take that Stanley Cup, they'll certainly have to earn it because uh, that's got to be a team that, um, you know, right from the top to Vasilevsky, uh, there's a reason why they've got two rings. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you can't count out the back to back champs. So it'll be interesting. I'll be watching the last 
splashed a little bit here for sure. I've got to ask you, I mean, we certainly here on Winnipeg Sports Talk have been talking about the Jets coaching search every day and the big off-season topics. Is that something that's on your radar right now or will you uh, just expect to get a text message at some point from some of the organization (laughs) telling you who the new bench boss is? Uh, Yeah, it's, I mean... I don't know how much you can really follow it. You know, it's whether they're, I know they're doing the interview process, um, you know, right now since the season's been over. Um, but it's, you know, not really on my mind once they find a guy, you know, I believe in that organization, um, those guys there to, f- to find the right guy to, to lead us. And, you know, when they do look forward to meeting them and getting to work. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talked a lot at the end of the season. I mean, as did a number of your teammates about, you know, what you didn't like about the year and the fact that it was never too, uh, late to build a culture um, going into this season. I mean, uh, how, how do you feel once you get away for it a little bit and you look ahead to next season, I realize there's a ton of question marks still about, you know, how the team is going to look, who the head coach is going to be. Um, but I'd imagine that despite the disappointment of last year overall, there still is a belief that um, there's a lot of talent in this room, starting with a guy with the lady Bing trophy and 47 goals to help this team get back to where you've been in the past. Yeah. I mean, you said it, we, we got a lot of talent in that room. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of great leaders as well. And I think, you know, that core group of us has been together for a couple of years now, know that we got something special there and it's, it's just finding the right mesh, um, you know, get a new coach in there and um, new, new systems or whatever he's going to bring into the table. And, um, you know, I think it's this year, like you said, it's a little bit of a reset. We can look back at it and, you know, realize that, Hey, you know, the playoffs aren't going to be, you know, automatic every year. We got to earn it. So, um, I definitely think there's there's a championship team in that room. Uh, Kyle, uh, going forward, um, just a lot of golf. At what point do you come back into the city? And uh, tell us a little bit. I'm just interested about your off-season training. You mentioned how things have changed a little bit as you've progressed in your career. You take a big amount of time off. I mean, do you ramp it up? I mean, uh, well, what's that schedule like for you as far as having fun, uh, but also uh, doing what you need to do to be in tip-top shape when you want to be in time for the season? Yeah, just uh, hanging out here in Michigan. Grew up here, love it here. So come back and, um, you know, just been out in the lake playing some golf, relaxing. And, um, yeah, I was back in the gym uh, like a week or two ago. And um, something I, I mean, I enjoy working out and just staying in shape. Probably won't hit the ice for a little bit here. Um, but, yeah, it's um, I'm, I'm down here in Plymouth. I'm working out in Ethos down there. And they got a great gym. Been there ever since I've been pro. Um, just continuing to build, build strength. Um, so that I'm, I'm ready to go. And the biggest thing is just injury prevention, right? That's why we work out. Um, so that, that's the biggest thing I focus on every single summer. How much do you skate uh, as you get closer to training camp? And uh, you do it with a bunch of other NHLers that, uh, you know, are sort of in that area in the uh, in the summer? Oh, yeah, we got a great group out here. Um, a lot of Michigan guys come back. And, um, yeah, we run skates once we get going full-time and on the ice. I mean, we're on the ice probably four or five times a week. And, um yeah, we got um, uh, the Hughes brothers are around here too. So I'm out there with Jack and and Quinn. Um, Dylan comes out Larkin once in a while and Copper skate with him a ton. And obviously Hellebuck's around here too. So get to snipe him a little bit. It's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great way to finish it off. Listen, Kyle, thanks so much for doing this. I hope you have a great summer. I uh, hope you hit him straight this afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us and congratulations on an amazing 47 goal season and a lady Bing trophy is announced yesterday by the national hockey league. All right. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, really appreciate Kyle Connor joining us today and congratulations again to him on winning that lady Bing trophy. 
coming off that amazing 47 goal and four penalty minute season he had for the Winnipeg Jets. We're going to change our focus from some pucks to CFL kickoff. John Hodge teed up. Just before we do that, of course, Princess Auto sponsors our Bomber Reports all season long and, of course, a great supporter of the Bombers, and they'll be hosting Bomber fans at the Princess Auto tailgate outside the stadium on Friday for the home opener. In addition to being great supporters of the Bombers, the Gold Eyes, and so many of our other local sports teams, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road or Portage Avenue West, or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And hey, speaking of the Bomber game on Friday, you know there'll be quite a bit of a Canadian club being poured. Of course, Canadian club's the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I imagine the Jim Beam Stillhouse, the Brugal Rum Hut, will be uh, have brisk business to kick off the season on Friday night. Um, in the meantime, CC and Ginger ready-to-drink displays are available right now at Canadian's Bottle Stop Vendors. And with the purchase of the six-pack Canadian Club and Ginger ready-to-drink cocktail, consumers get a free Bomber Slim Can koozie, and they can enter to win a signed Bomber jersey. Each vendor has their own signed jersey hanging in store. Get your chance to win with the purchase of Canadian Club and Ginger and try one at the game as well on the weekend. And uh, hey, a big shout out to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ group before the Bomber game, maybe after the Bomber game, or heck, anytime. Add the blizzard into the rotation. Now we've got some nice weather outside. And while you're there, try those new stack burgers everyone's talking about. You can try them at any one of the four Nick and Nikki DQs, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you are needing a DQ ice cream cake for an upcoming event, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Nick and Nick, you'll get a custom made for you as you like it. It'll be ready to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. All right, let's get John Hodge in here from Three Down Nation because the countdown is on to CFL kickoff on Thursday night. And of course, the Bombers home opener. Uh, the Three Down boys have been busy, but this is what it's all about, John. We're just about ready to go. No more CBA talk. No more preseason games. It's just about go time. Wait, you guys want to talk about football? I thought we were going to talk about labor negotiations. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a buzzkill. Thank God that is all over. I, just by the way, just from your thoughts, because I mean, we did speak about it extensively on the program when you joined us. Um, how do you think that it all worked out? I mean, is this good for the league, the players? I mean, it's great for fans that we won't have to talk about it for another five years minimum. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's great for 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 everybody. Frankly, I think that the league has finally set a proper foundation to build on. I think that with the way in which revenue sharing is kicking in in 2024, uh, with the way in which they've incentivized you know veterans to stick around with partially guaranteed contracts, with the nationalized American rule coming into play in 2023, I think this is a win-win-win. I, I wish the CFL had gotten to this sooner rather than wasting time, frankly, with some other endeavors along the way. But 
you know, nothing venture, nothing gained, as the old expression goes. So to me, they've finally built the proper foundation. We've got seven years of labor peace. The players do have an opt-out after five years to coincide with the broadcasting deal at TSN expiring. But we have at least five years, potentially seven. And I think the CFL is in a better place today than it has been in quite a while as a result of this new CBA. Well, and speaking of good news, and we'll talk about, you know, what we expect on the field. Um, but I mean, we can't be talking about the upcoming CFL season without acknowledging the fact that some of the biggest markets in the league have had a terrible time putting asses in seats. And um, listen, I will see what happens in Toronto and Montreal this year. Uh, but I know you guys have a story up at three down right now. Um, the early results, very, very promising for the British Columbia Lions, who look like they could be selling out the lower bowl of BC Place and potentially opening up the upper bowl for the home opener. Yeah, Amar Doman did an interview with Donnie and Dolly where he said he's he's overwhelmed and very encouraged by the reception from the local community. I ran the numbers. The BC Lions have not had more than 22,000 people at a game since 2018. Last season, and I should full season for the home opener, and they never got above 21,000. The reason that 22,000 number is relevant is because that is the benchmark right for the for the lower bowl that is the lower bowl capacity twenty two thousand, and uh you know the fact that they're looking at opening it now they do also have one republic playing um which uh, probably has helped ticket sales one of their hit songs has been featured in top gun maverick which i think is has taken the world by storm in this last week um which which certainly helps but absolutely right we we've seen times over the last few years where cfl football in vancouver looked dead or or if not dead, it looked painful it was a it was a, a you know a ghost of its former self right in 2012 when when they won the gray cup uh or 2011 they won the gray cup at home 2012 they were averaging over 30,000 fans that's more than than the winnipeg blue bombers averaged last year if memory serves so they have filled that stadium or at least packed it in pretty good in recent memory it's been a long time in 2019 they averaged just 17,000 and change uh, which I believe was second lowest in the league, only to Toronto. So I'm encouraged by what's what's here. We have some positive momentum in BC, and I commend Amar Dolman for his commitment to to really rebuilding the fan base in that province. We'll have to see if this positive momentum is able to carry its way through this season and beyond. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm the first one to admit I'm not that familiar with One Republic. I have heard about them, but I mean, that's exactly why you do something like that, to get some excitement, to get some buzz, to maybe expose your project, uh, your product to some, you know, some potential new fans and get them out to get it, to give it a try. And I mean, uh, you know, uh, big kudos to what they've got going on in BC and hopefully that works out well for them uh, from a business standpoint, because of course that's exactly what the neat league needs. Um, you know, there's a number of franchises that we know are going to do well, but some real problem spots that we hope we'll see some traction going forward into this season. As far as on the field, John, it's no surprise. The defending champion, two-time Grey Cup champion, Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the betting favorite at 3-1 to one to win the Grey Cup. From your perspective, um, are the Bombers the team to beat? And uh, who's next on the pecking order? Who do you think is the biggest challenge, at least at this point, before we play a snap um, to the Bombers' quest for a three-peat? I absolutely think the Bombers are the team to beat right now. I think they've absolutely deserved that title. They've won back-to-back great cups. And yes, they lost some key components, right? Kenny Lawler is in Edmonton. 
Andrew Harris is in Toronto. Um, Steven Richardson in BC, albeit injured. Uh, but I, I think ultimately they've shown time and time again, they can not only go out and attract top free, but they can uncover, you know, raw talent really, really well. That scouting department's done an exceptional job. You know, a year ago, nobody knew who Dietrich Nichols was. And all of a sudden, he's a CFL all-star halfback. DeAndre Alford is in the NFL. That's how good of a season he had at corner last year. So I don't have any particular concerns about this Blue Bomber roster. Even where they've lost some talent, I think that they're going to have no problem replacing the production from a season ago. And I do absolutely see them as the favorite. As for the contenders, that's an one question you have to look one province over to the saskatchewan rough riders the pressure is going to be ramped up like crazy in riderville this because that team is hosting the great cup for the first time since 2013 i'm interested to see how cody fajardo handles that extra pressure expectation for him in 2021 frankly he did not look as sharp as he did in 2019 when he was named the west division's mop candidate if he is able to keep things dialed in and avoid the pressure getting to him, I think the Riders could be right there with one. The East Division, I think, has a lot of parity. The Blacks are going to be miles better than they were last year. I think that Toronto is the deepest team in the CFL, possibly. But I'm not sure their ones are as good as Winnipeg's ones. Uh, Hamilton will be good again. And Montreal, despite the fact that Vernon Adams Jr. and Trevor Harris didn't play very well in the preseason, I still think they're a very solid quarterbacking duo. So I would say the number one contender, but I would put Hamilton and Toronto right in that conversation as competing for the top spot right now. Craziest thing about the, about, you know, the odds, I always like looking at the win totals. I mean, you know, obviously when these books are taking money on it, they do a lot of research because they're exposed that they have bad lines. I've never seen anything like it. The East, when the numbers at least came out on cool bet, every team in the East had a total either eight and a half or nine and a half, which essentially says exactly what you mentioned, the parity right now of the East with the assumed massive improvement of the of Ottawa into the mix with those other teams has made it really, listen, it, it would seem to indicate it's anyone's division. That being said, I still sort of lean towards the two Ontario teams as maybe having a bit of a leg up, especially Toronto. If the veteran players they brought in, including former Blue Bomber Andrew Harris, can stay healthy and on the field. Yeah, the, the Argos went out and and signed three of the best, but also three of the oldest players in the CFL, right? They signed Brandon Banks, a former MOP. They signed Andrew Harris, who would have won MOP in 2019 had he not been suspended for the PED positive test. And then they will sign Jaguar Davis, who is not quite as old as the other two, but is still a, a, an aging veteran player. If those three are able to play right at that all-star level we've seen them at in the past, then I totally agree with you. I think Toronto is absolutely going to be there. Hamilton lost a lot. I see Hamilton almost in a situation, you know, like we've talked about Winnipeg losing a few key guys. I think Hamilton lost more, to be quite honest. Jeremiah Masoli, now the face of the franchise in Ottawa. On the, on the plus side, Dane Evans knows he's starting each week which was was a guessing game, right? They went back and forth between Masoli and between Evans as the season progressed and even swapped in the Grey Cup. Dane Evans starting that game, Jeremiah Masoli came on after Evans took took a nasty hit. Um, so I, I, But at the same time, right, I'll play the other side of it. 
I've talked to people who think Ottawa is the best team in the East division. And I've looked at the depth charts. Uh, we don't have an official depth chart yet, obviously for Friday night on Winnipeg, but this is a team that could start as many as 20 new players. That's 20 out of 24. Uh, um, which flabbergasting to be to be quite honest. Um, if that team can gel quickly, and I do have some faith in Paul Apolise as a coach, then I'm a betting man, which I am. In the East Division, I would be tempted to put some money on the longer odds team in Montreal because I do think that that division is exceptionally close. I think you know the team that hosts the East Final could be a ten or or eleven win team, and the team that misses the playoffs at the bottom could still be a seven or eight win team. I think it's really that close. John Hodge of Three Down Nation with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Funny you mentioned Masoli. I was just looking. Jimmy Shapiro sending over the props for MOP. Zach Caleros is the favorite at three to one, much like the Bombers are three to one to win the whole thing. Jeremiah Masoli's number two at five to one. I think it shows that it is first of all his job and his job only, um, but also maybe the potential of winning that award on the back of a very very improved uh, proved season. Last one for you, John. I'm interested as in where you go with this. We've talked about the big contenders. What is the most intriguing team to you going into the season? Well, to me, it would be a, a two horse race between Edmonton and BC. For BC, they're entering the season with a Canadian quarterbacking duo, which has not happened in my lifetime, and I'm not sure it's happened in the last 50 years in the CFL. They've got Nathan Rourke entrenched as the starter. He has two career starts in his entire CFL tenure, and Michael O'Connor out of UBC is the backup. Uh, I believe Michael O'Connor started one game late with Toronto in 2019. Um I think it's incredibly exciting for fans of football in this country to see that happen, because if those two succeed, I think that is going to potentially open the floodgates for teams who maybe have been hesitant to take, especially those from U sports, the CIS ranks uh, to develop at the professional level. I think that is a wild card team. If, if the quarterback situation plays out, it could be good. Jones has spent the last six months doing what I can only describe as Chris Jones things, right? He's brought <laughs> guys out of retirement. He's moved players to brand new positions. He's got five quarterbacks on his roster still. Uh, there were reports out of out of practice today that Nick Arbuckle did take first team reps there, but who really knows? I wouldn't put it past him to start Taylor Cornelius or the Canadian Trey Ford out of Waterloo, who he took in the first round. By the way, first quarterback taken in the CFL drafts first round since 1980. So to me, those are the two most exciting teams to watch. I see them both as boomer bust teams. I think that one will likely finish at the bottom of the West Division, but you never know. It's going to be a very, very interesting in Vancouver and in Edmonton. No doubt about it. Couldn't agree with you more. I mean, those are the teams I'm fascinated to see how things work with the offense. You know, can that can what the what they've saved at quarterback in BC, can they get the production from that position and take advantage of where they've made their expenditures and who the hell knows what happens when Chris Jones comes to town in Edmonton. Hey, quickly, John, before we go, um, obviously you guys do such a phenomenal job covering the league at Three Down Nation. I know this is a big week for you. Fill people in on uh, what you guys have coming up over the next few days as we head into Thursday CFL kickoff and, of course, the Bomber home opener on Friday. Yeah, we've got a ton of betting lines up on the site, uh, ways to get set up betting within Canada. Uh, we've got a, a multitude of sports books there with links. Uh, we had our power rankings there this morning. That's the debut of our 2022 power rankings. We'll have those each week. 
We also are going to be making picks day of the first game each week. So Thursday morning, we'll have game picks. We'll also be picking games against the spread for all of the betters out there. And then I've started a new initiative this year called the Offensive Output Report, where I'm going to be looking at each each week's games, uh, tracking punts, tracking passing yards, tracking points, because we've kind of had this narrative told the last few years that the CFL is getting less exciting, less big plays, more punts. And I want to put that to the test, especially with the new rules that are at play. So lots of coverage coming at you, not just this week, but all the way around this CFL season at Three Down Nation. Even though you're the sharpest one around, you're still invited to play our CFL DraftKings contest. We've got that one open as well. We'd love to have you and any of the Three Down gang jump in. Of course, it's at the Winnipeg Sports Talk lead. Hit us up if you need an invite. Remus will post something in chat. And uh, John, I can't wait to get out there on Friday. Hopefully we'll see you there. See you back in Winnipeg very soon and uh, keep up the great work at Three Down Nation. Thanks for your time and let's do this again soon. Thanks, us. Looking forward to it. All right, there it is. John Hodge of Three Down Nation. You know the site is threedownnation.com and you can follow John on Twitter for uh, links, analysis, and so much more at John D. Hodge. All right, we got to get Remo back in here. We got a couple more things to get to before we're done. We want to give a shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. Hung out at BP last night, caught some of the game, and took advantage of the great specials on Appy Hour. 3 to 6 and 9 to 12 every day. Domestic sleeves, $4. Deals on Pandera bread and cactus cuts and wings. Uh, great spot to watch the game, especially with the big screen and the big sound at your local Boston Pizza. And, of course, if you're staying in, check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. Uh, I'm going to the track tonight. Assiniboia Downs is back open. Remember, no live racing tomorrow, but next week we'll get the full Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule that will run for the rest of the season. And let's get Michael Remus in here to uh, see what happened last night with our picks and uh, see what we've got for this evening when I get out there live for the first time, Remo. Yeah, last year I got off to a really hot start like really hot out of the gate and it kind of helped me beat you and uh you're up on me by a bit I don't, i've had haven't had a night where i've been up we've had three race nights and it was i mean it was just close one i mean i had two out of three on my triactor box so that didn't go on my quinella i had one um it just wasn't a night in the horse i had said at the end that i didn't bet on that i liked ended up placing and i just wimped out and didn't want to bet on taco flavored kisses, so uh, I I really screwed up last night. So I'm looking for redemption here this evening. Uh, you know, people on my side to try to get the belt back from Remus will be pleased to know I had a big night last night. A uh, winner in race number six for sixteen sixty five. And that weird sort of triactor wheel thing I made for seven bucks paid off forty last night. So a a tidy 36.70 profit last night. So I'm up right now. Got a bit of a lead. Let's see what we can do. Now, again, I'm heading out there tonight. So I'm sort of stacking my picks online for later on, depending on how late I stay. I'm going to start off with race number four today, Reem. Uh, let me just get a Cinevoy up here on our trusty HPI bet, uh, HPI bet app. We're going to race number four. For my first selection, I'm going to do a straight uh, triactor wheel with three, four, and five, Divine Ride, Truly and Terrific, and Valente. 
Then I'm going to go to race five, and I'm actually going to make two $2 win bets on a couple of long shots because I love the names. Number two, we're putting two bucks on Gold Shaft, and we're also going to put number two bucks on number seven, The Whiskey Worked. Yeah, I <laughs> saw that. Hopefully one of those, hopefully one of those two um, can get the big dub. Now over to race six, I'm going to do another triactor wheel, picking three horses to finish in any order with the $1 bet comes out to $6. I've got two, three, and five, and some more great names. Bad News, Dazzling Mischief, which is the favorite, and Fulkerson. So that's a $6 bet. And then for the final race of the night, I'm just putting four bucks on number five to win, just a pin or just a tapping, just a tapping. All right, a little bit of golf, uh, uh, golf parlay, if just you will. Tap it in. So uh, hopefully I'll tap in for a few more winners tonight after a nice night to kick off the weekend. Where are you going this evening? All right, here's my picks. And yeah, I do enjoy, you know, a after the hockey, there was no more hockey, so I just threw on race seven uh, that I did bet on. And always degrading when your horse is... I hear Kirk come to, oh, that horse is slow out of the gate. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, you're done, <laughs> done from the start. And I'm praying that he's going to catch up, but he did not. That was awful. Hey, just don't forget about Rich Strike at the Kentucky Derby. Anything has oh. happened. A bad start does not mean that you're eliminated from the uh, from the action. The worst is when um, your you pick a horse and like you see that it's the one having trouble getting into the <laughs> yeah the like starting and you're poorly like, behaved. Running you're like around. screwed before it even starts. So okay, here's my picks. I am on race seven. Oh, just a pin. I'm also on just a pin. I put five dollars on just a pin. So Let's get it. I've oh, got sorry. four. You would win. That's actually just tap. Just tap in. No, just a tap in. Is yeah. actually sorry. I claim just a pin. Um, race five. I'm going a Quinella five six. My princess Ellie and back in that action. Uh, that man. is a four dollar Quinella. I got a triactor box in race four. Horses two, three, and four. Mayday, payday, divine ride, and truly and terrific. I like those. And I'm doing a four, two, exacta. So they have to finish first and second in race three. That is Melisandra. And what did I say? Four, two. And ain't she darling? There you ain't go. Ain't she darling's been good in the past. I, yeah. I know that it's been. I I recognize a lot of the names now. So this is like when I play uh, fantasy baseball. I recognize the name. The name. You're jumping on them. All right, so there are picks for this evening. If you do want to play with us, of course, get on out to the track, live racing tonight, and then back again next week on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, but if you do want to kick it at home, you can make some bets at hpibet.com. 6.45 p.m. Stretch and Kirk will get online at ASD or AS Downs YouTube channel, break down their picks and give you some advice and some thoughts on the races for this evening. And of course, they're back in between each race as well. And you can watch all the races live on the Assiniboia Downs YouTube channel. Uh, new edition of the Lock Shop dropped this morning. Myself and Dustin Nielsen, and Dusty's going to be here in Winnipeg on Friday to call the Bomber home opener, coast to coast on TSN. We'll look forward to that. Uh, let's do a quick look at the line for tonight's game in the National Hockey League. 
It's the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa minus 175 on the money line. Rangers plus 156. And Remo, I think I'm going to take a swing on the puck line tonight. I think this is a big, big game for Tampa. Uh, I think they uh, avoid having to come back the way they did last game. Have a great start. I think there's a good chance they can win this by a couple goals and not have another nail-biter. I'm taking the puck line tonight. What do you think about the Rangers and Lightning? Wow. Uh, The Lightning are definitely primed here to tie it up at two, playing at home. Plus 150, not bad. I mean, you also are hoping for an empty netter as well, uh, which could be a factor if it's a close game. I don't mind that. I kind of wanted to lean Rangers on the money line, but going to be tough. They had it last uh, last game, but, you know, at 40 seconds left, Lightning took the lead. I was, like, looking at props. I did give out, hey, uh, you banned me from making picks on Friday's show, but I came back. I gave out some goal scores. Gave uh, up to a couple good ones last yeah, night. Yeah, I had Lekkanen, Makar, Nakushkin. I was two out of three on those. I like doing um, shot props. I mean, Panarin over plus 120. He had a ton of shots last game. I think that's that's a pretty solid one. So I will give out. I'll give out that one. I want to go goal score. If you want to have some fun, like Andrew Kopp. What's he? He's way He's down plus the 330. How about Kopp point plus 109? That's about, I mean, he plays on a line with Panarin. Yeah. And um, I always like going line two on the on the road. I don't know. I feel like maybe they get um, get the better matchup because they're focused on shutting down line one. So um, I, I don't mind that. But uh, yeah, Cop plus 330. Sure. Go go for that. That's actually not a bad, not a bad one. Or there Panarin you go. plus new 295 as well. For the for the goal, and as I said, I yeah. mean, Cop has been. I mean, he's basically been a point of game player. So you're going to get plus money on Andrew Cop. I don't mind that at all. Um, we can quickly tell you that the odds to win the Stanley Cup right now: Colorado Avalanche minus two thirteen, Rangers plus four fifty, and the Lightning plus three seventy five. And they do have lines up for both series. Uh, if it's the Rangers and Colorado, Colorado's minus 278 and the Rangers are plus 225. If you make one of those bets and Tampa wins the series, that bet is essentially refunded. The Tampa Bay number right now is plus 155 for the Lightning and minus 189 for the Colorado Avalanche. So again, if you make that bet right now at plus 155 and the Rangers win the series, it gets refunded. But if you do have confidence that the Lightning will make it through and win the Stanley Cup, you're much better off just laying it at plus 375 to win. Again, all those odds are there. One of the other things that Dustin and I got to on the Lock Shop, and you can check that out, search Lock Shop wherever you get your podcasts, is the RBC Canadian Open, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy at the top of the board. And as I mentioned, I wasn't kidding. I did throw a couple bucks down on Manitoba's Aaron Cockrell. Got to show support for our guy making his PGA Tour debut. He's at 300 to 1, along with a number of uh, of long shots as well. And can't wait to hear Mike's coverage of that event. Yet it's all there at CoolBet. If you haven't played CoolBet before, use promo code WST on your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to $200 with our friends over at CoolBet and our buddy CoolBet Chris. Um, Awesome show today, Reem. I mean, we packed a lot in. It was great to get Billick on on his birthday. Mike McIntyre, of course, from Southern Ontario. 
uh, a special opportunity to chat with the Lady Bing winner, Jet scoring star Kyle Connor. And uh, listen, the countdown continues to CFL kickoff. Great stuff with John Hodge at all. Packed it all in on a Tuesday afternoon on WST. Yeah, I was kind of worried, you know, getting down to the end of the playoffs. Are we going to have topics? No shortage. No shortage here. Got in some coaching talk as well with the big firing yesterday. Uh, Bruce Cassidy. I saw Bill Belichick giving his condolences to uh, Bruce Cassidy at the Patriots OTAs. So uh, pretty pretty wild stuff going with the coaching. Well, we're going to see a flurry of hiring. There's a ton of vacancies and a ton of good coaches available. Exciting stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Murat Atesh will make his weekly visit. Looking forward to having Murat on. And we'll also... Welcome in DT, the new voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on CGOB. Derek Taylor had a couple games under his belt on the Superstation, and now it's time to officially have the torch passed from Bob Irving as he'll call his first regular season game for the Blue and Gold at IG Field on Friday, and he will join us on tomorrow's episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk as well. We'll, of course, hit a little more on the Canadian Open. I'll see if Feinberg can jump on. I think he was out at one of the practice rounds at St. George's this week. Um, So we'll definitely do a little one final preview of the tournament, uh, and uh, we'll get to... uh, uh, It should be a very, very busy show. Remo, before we go... As I mentioned, I touched on this very briefly with Scott. Um, The wave strikes again last night. I mean, uh, can we agree now that there is a, that karma is real and doing the wave too early can adversely affect a team? It happened again last night in Edmonton. Another tough look for for wave backers when uh, when the game is not in the bag. What was it, 4-2 with like 10 minutes left and they're going around starting the wave? Against the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, I'm I'm pro wave, but I don't believe that would be the t- wave is like a victory lap, and I, I don't agree. think you can take a victory lap too early. So uh, I'm gonna yeah, it's big big L for the fans doing the wave. Uh, I do also agree with the theory that look, if they would have just worn their regular jerseys, not these abomination blue jerseys, oh. they would have they won. Did I already say that today? How many fans? The- well, you've said it a number of times. It's a, yeah. it's a take that was correct then. It's correct now. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the of the 18,000 in the building last night. Yeah, maybe 100. How many? How many? Yeah, like maybe 100. And they've got probably, what, about 15,000 oranges? I'm I'm watching, uh, I'm watching the game. I don't see anyone wearing those blue jerseys there i joked earlier in the playoffs like they couldn't even afford the full color logo it's like when you go to the t-shirt printer and like how many colors do you want and they're like oh we'll just take orange we're not gonna go to we're not gonna pay for uh the white and the blue just a straight orange logo i don't know why nicole j you're right you got to be so careful with the wave uh and by the way i love the fact i'll shout out to the members who are uh, jumping in their special emotes and Again, I don't know how you came up with this for my icon, but the fact that I look like I am doing the wave. Yeah, you're doing the wave. Never hesitates to crack me up considering my well-documented position on the wave. I said, let's get Huss doing the wave in the chat at all times. And yeah, there's the emote in our chat. I'm throwing it out there now. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. People have been asking you your take on the wave. People notice it. When people notice it on TV, they're messaging you. And look, I'm... I'm definitely pro-wave. I like having fun, but I do agree it is more of a uh, victory 
victory lap sort of thing in an intense game. I don't know if that's the place. Well, Jay Horn hit me up. Oilers are going to lose now doing the wave with 11 minutes left. Called it right off the bat. And DW also hit me up last night when we saw it. Wave has started in Oilers Nation. 5-4 abs. It ended up being 6-5 abs. Not too bad. If I had seen these quicker and been paying closer attention, I would have immediately live bet the avalanche when I saw the wave going around, but I was a little too slow on that, unfortunately. I think you get good odds. And showed it to Dan Jets fan. I agree with him. He says the the fans wearing the blue jerseys, they just looked like empty seats. And I actually agree. I think the chairs are you can't tell you can't see them on TV. Hey, um, one other one other terrible. fan thing that we've seen a lot, and there was a lot of it in Edmonton. What do you think about the the new fan accessory? The big chain, the massive chain holding on the big, big logo. Have you seen those? No. Uh, I, I saw a ton of those actually Wait. when I was in Vegas. And you can go and get whatever your favorite team is. And like, it's these huge, like it looks, reminds me like a, the junkyard dog back in the day of the WWF, mm -hmm. a big JYD chain with the color and then the logo on it. And uh, I saw a little Ben Stelter well, yes. wearing one. We've seen a lot of those fans. That's something that's sort of new. Um, they were selling a lot of those in Edmonton. I'll tell you that much. I'm, I'm here for them. Yeah, I, I agree. Here's the picture that Ben was was wearing. I mean, it looks pretty cool. It looks heavy. Might give you some neck soreness, so be careful. I think they're plastic. I think that's all oh, it's an illusion. Not, it's, it's not, not real? really like a massive brass or lead it's not like chain. The, it's not like the Rampage Jackson wearing like a chain link fence around his, <laughs> yeah, around his neck. Right. Wallace and Wallace, pick up your <laughs> yeah, pick up your chain over at our friends at Wallace and Wallace, Winnipeg's leader in fencing products. I gotta be honest, when I I've been out around the city, every fence I see now, uh, commercial fence has their logo on it. I'm like, oh, these guys are like everywhere. I maybe I didn't notice it before because they didn't sponsor us, but now I I'm on the lookout when I see fences. But yeah, I think these are. You're I think a these are cool. too. Fence guy, fence guy, garage door guy as well, Remo. I mean, you yeah. got to, you've had sort of been forced to move into adulthood, whether you liked it or not. And um, now you get to chase Evan around the uh, the zoo, and mm -hmm. uh, and then oh, by the way, how was the soccer game? What's the, uh, yeah, can you just give me a quick update on uh, the two and three year old soccer program that yeah. uh, that uh, the little uh, guys in? Soccer, it's going hard. I mean, we kept him on the field for warm-up uh, for the game part yesterday. I don't think he realizes that other kids are trying to take the ball away from you. And um, you can't just, like, line up and take penalty kicks whenever whenever you want. Um, we're also battling the temptation of sideline snacks and the play structure that is right next to the field. So, Oh, the play structure. That, <laughs> that, that, I'm sure that catches the attention of the uh, of the young rookie Timbit soccer players. It's so hard. Uh, the Orange monk Monkeys, very tempted. And I think every team, very tempted by the play structure. So um, it was a tough one for us. We did have people on the field, so that was for most of the game. That was... That was a win. My books. What are the snacks? Is it still old school, like the orange slices at halftime? I, I always remember yeah. from my limited amount of time playing the beautiful game as a kid, that was a mainstay. Halftime meant oranges, and there was a schedule whose job it was to bring the oranges for each game. Um, I think everyone just brings their own. I think brings their own snacks. We don't really have team communal. Uh, we had raspberries yesterday. Uh, that was a big one. I can't remember what else. We had juice box. Water, mm, fruit snacks. 
don't you remember. obviously were not involved in any of the packaging of said snack no. for your player. <laughs> no, I didn't. I wasn't involved in that. No. Uh, I'll have to get out to a game at some point. I have a feeling that would be hilarious. Um, great stuff in the chat, everyone. I know some great stuff for Ben Stelter. Of course, that little guy really captured so many hockey fans' hearts, not just there in Edmonton. And uh, yeah. Tell you what, great run for the Oilers, but it's over finishing much like it did last year. Four quick games. This time in the third round. Last year was in the first round of the Winnipeg Jets. I never have to hear uh, La Bamba for a while. Thankfully, like what a terrible song. Oof. Hey, they even had Los Lobos was actually tweeting in support of the Oilers. Uh, the well, last no days one's cared well. about that song for thirty years. It's a terrible song. That's not true. That's not true. There was a movie. Uh, who is it? Lou Diamond Phillips, I believe, was uh, was was in. And I think was it? Oh, it wasn't necessarily. I don't know. I'm probably screwing this hey. up. Anyways, you, you won't. You won't have to hear it for a little while longer. Much like we don't have to hear Hall and Oates now that the Leafs are out oh. and not that. Yeah, that that goal song. That's a horrible. We should song. do in the off season. We should do a definitive list of the best and well, worst goal songs and victory songs in the NHL. I've been dying to record uh, jersey rankings where we just go through like the bottom jerseys in the league. Um. The Oilers are definitely down there. And for Colorado, I'll rank their jersey. They've changed it. I'm not crazy with the blue numbers. I wish they would just wear the, you know, 96 Avs jersey, but they've kind of modernized it. I don't like the um, the C shoulder patches. They need to go back to the Yeti foot. Bring back the, the Yeti foot now that they're in the cup final. The Yeti, that, of course, is the... Uh... I guess like the image of Colorado. I always thought it was the Colorado Rockies logo, but if it's you go like to Colorado, flag. you see that. Yeah, exactly. It's so, like the state uh, flag. Pretty late. It's like how Calgary has the Alberta. Flag. I don't know if they still do the Alberta flag. You know what? I've they always been jealous of Chicago. They've got that really cool city flag with the four stars on it. If you ever go to Chicago, you'll see it all over the place. CM Punk, I know, always would turn it into kind of the the mode for his um yes his his outfits and um who's the guy uh, Mustafa Ali I think is a Chicago guy as well I saw at Helena Cell he has said that same sort of thing hmm. Winnipeg doesn't have anything like that but if you ever go there the stuff that they have done and just have that as sort of an icon that can get tweaked for other yeah. things really really I, cool maybe I that's agree. another project we our own flag Illinois has got a cool yeah the Manitoba flag sorry uh UK but it's pretty it, pretty it generic doesn't, and doesn't lame. Cut it. Yeah. It's pretty generic and lame. Sorry. I, it's 2022. Um, I mean, you can, you're not buying any merch of that, are you? Unless you're like in the Spice Girls, you get the Union Jack dress. Yeah. I mean, and it's so sad. I mean, I think if you compare it, like Ontario's flag is quite similar. It's the same thing. They got that would be a great, a full redesign of provincial flags. But maybe, does Winnipeg have a flag? Like for the city of Winnipeg? I think they do. Golden Boy on it or something like that? Well, we'll do some research. We'll do some research on uh, yeah, that. Yeah, this, this is the city of Winnipeg flag. It's pretty, pretty meh. You're not buying any, like, clothing with it, I don't think. Here, you want to yeah, see what it is? Not a big, You've yeah, seen yeah, this sure. before. I'm sure and I have. Before I don't remember we it, though. Get, we're getting pretty sidetracked. And we did just have another uh, manager firing in the baseball. Joe Madden fired by, by the Angels. Whoa! They were on a bit of a losing streak, and Joe Girardi got fired. So if you're a manager yeah, named Joe, from the Joe, Phillies the other day, watch out. So here's this is the Winnipeg flag. They got that some... flag sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's like honest to God. Like I am a terrible at Photoshop or everything. I'm pretty sure I could come up with a better flag in half an hour. This is the flag. Photoshop. 
I'm sure it's an old flag, but yeah, this the Illinois flag, man, it's cool. Like CM Punk rocks it. I don't see yeah. Jericho. No, that's that's not this. Illinois. That's the city of Chicago. Oh, that's Chicago. Oh, yeah. sorry, my bad. That is the city of Chicago. So you can go check that up. Anyways, we should get the pod up. Great show today. Thanks yeah. to uh, everyone that's with us, folks. By the way, if you haven't already, make sure you hit that thumbs up, and if you haven't hit the red subscribe button, please do so. Podcast listeners, any chance you get to give us a five star rating and review at Apple or Spotify? We greatly appreciate it. Don't forget, new episode of The Lock Shop is out. Search for that on podcast and give us a sub as well, if you would be so kind. We'll be back tomorrow. Derek Taylor, voice of the Bombers, gets us ready for Friday night. Murata Tesh of The Athletic with the latest on the National Hockey League and the Winnipeg Jets. And we will talk RBC Canadian Open as well. Thanks to Scott Billick, Mike McIntyre, Lady Big Winner Kyle Connor, and of course John Hodge from Three Down Nation, and all of you for making us a part of your day. And a big thanks to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. Have a great night. If you're at the track tonight, say hi if you bump into me. And I'll look forward to uh, getting back at it with Michael Remus tomorrow, 1 o'clock, right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night, everyone. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.